The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! <laughs> You think he's gone? He's not gone. That's the whole point. He's never gone. Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Oh, well, I must have been paying attention when you were just talking to me. Excellent. Do you think that you could repeat the question? Yep, we good. We're live. I listen more and now here's your host, Tom Duggan. Thank you, thank you. No, 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 please stop clapping. No, 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 please. No, honestly. We don't do anything special here. All right, very good. Tom Duggan here on this uh, on this little paying attention podcast that we do once a week. Um, really happy to see what our numbers are over the last uh, five, is that eighth show, I think, right? So for the last eight weeks, we've been building up a, a really big... I've been watching the podcast on YouTube, and we get like 10 people watch. And I'm thinking, wow, there's like, I, we come in here to do this for 10 people. This is crazy. I was going to stop doing it. And then Dave said, no, 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 you don't understand. We put this on iTunes and iHeartRadio. You get thousands of people listening. So he showed me the numbers. It was like the first week, 4,000 people downloaded the podcast. That's incredible. That's so, awesome. So we, we should, by the end of today's show, have January's numbers. It's got to be way more than that at I this point. I bet it's huge. I bet it's huge. Um, I yep. know. I know that iTunes has a lot. I know that iHeart has a lot. What's that, Stu? So now you were going to say something. I don't want to cut you off. No, not me. Okay. Um, so uh, welcome to the show. Uh, my name is Tom Duggan. We do this little podcast here every week at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe above the uh, Two Guys Smoke Shop. And I want to, by the way, before we even start, I want to thank Dave and Mr. Jonathan. Uh, we have our charity bash every year. It's going to be March 23rd this year at the Firefighters Relief in in Lawrence. And uh, we give scholarships to kids. We honor police officers, firefighters, and veterans. It's a great night. We've got comedians. We've got celebrities. And um, half of the money from our raffle goes to Veterans Northeast Outreach in Haverhill. And um, so Dave came to me before the show and donated. I don't know if you can see this, but Dave came and donated for our raffle at a $300 value uh, a cigar tasting for eight. That's amazing. A cigar tasting for eight, $300 wow. value. So we're not even going to put this on the raffle table. We're going to do a silent auction for oh, this yeah. and, wow. see if, uh, and see if maybe they can... Uh, the, the the raffle girls can uh, raise a little bit more money for veterans. You said for eight people, right? For eight people. That, that's pretty big. That's yeah. that's amazing. Three hundred dollars wow. value. So we'll put that Absolutely. out. We'll silent auction that. Wow. And uh, the other half. Everybody always says, "Well, you're giving half. Or do you keep the other half?" Right. We don't keep. By the way, we don't keep anything from the bash. Right. The other half will go to. Um, organizations that we work with throughout the community. So some of it might go to uh, the Daybreak Homeless Shelter. Right. Some of it might go to One Tale at a Time Dog Rescue. Any nonprofit or organization that we work with throughout the year that we know for sure 100% of what you give goes to where it's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's 99% I say no to people. Right. Um, I, I want to make sure that and in Veterans Northeast Outreach, um, they... 100% of what you give goes directly to homeless veterans, directly to the veterans themselves. That's a fantastic group over there. They it do a is. great job. It is. Yeah. And, and um, 
they have overhead. They have to pay electric. They have to right. pay heat. None of that comes from donations. They actually get grants from the federal government through the VA yep. to pay for that stuff. So everything you give to Veterans Northeast Outreach literally goes like the next day into a veteran's pocket for food, for housing. Um, if they are pro- they, you know, they're going to lose their house to help them with their mortgage payment, whatever they need. And Veterans Northeast, we're going to try and get Randy Carter in here in the next couple of weeks. He's one of the guys that runs it, him and John Radka. And we'll see if we can't get them on. But um, before, I'll talk about the sponsors and everybody else later. I've already eaten up a lot of time at the beginning of the show. We want to start with the news. We want people, we've got to tell people what's going on. And so we've got no Meredith again today. Yeah, I I'm sorry. What happened to yeah. me? Uh, like, no. she'll, she'll be here. She, I don't know. Two weeks in a row, I'm, I'm starting no, to wonder. No, no, no. I'm starting you know, to wonder. I ha- no, it's all good. I kind of grow on women. They love me at the very beginning, and then they just kind of disappear after a while. I don't while. know about that, but, you know, it's all right, good. Okay. It's all good. It's all, all, good. Right, it's all very good. good. But you got me. You got news. We got we lots got fr- to talk got, about here. So, yeah. So, hit us with the news. What's right, going well, listen, on? The first story we're going to talk about, this is actually something that you were at last night, right? Yep. So, we love good news stories here and paying attention, and especially when we're honoring heroes out in the community. And uh, my understanding is you were at an event last night with the Lawrence Exchange Club, and they are honoring police officers and firefighters of the year. Why don't yes. you tell us a little bit about that? So this is um, this is an amazing event every year, and um, I, I've got to be honest, uh, the, the Lawrence Exchange Club, I've been going to this event every year for probably the last 20 years, before mm-hmm. I even had a newspaper. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Probably around 2010, 2011, I was at the Lawrence Exchange uh, Police Officer Firefighter of the Year, and they started you know, giving out their awards, and it hit me. I said, you know, w- we ought to do something like this. Right. Right? I mean, you can't honor police officers enough. You can't mm-hmm. honor firefighters enough. So when we started our bash, we said, you know, why don't we, why don't we do the same thing? Why don't we find police officers and firefighters that, you know, they're not part of the in-click in their department. They're mm-hmm. not getting all the awards because they're friends with the chief. Let's just go out and find guys that are doing stuff that they get no credit for. Let's give them awards. Mm-hmm. Um, so last night we were there, and it was really bizarre, Fred, because the new chief in Lawrence, Roy Vask, he's kind of acting chief, but I think they're going to make him permanent. I'm pretty sure they are. Yep. Um, I, went to, I went to school with Roy. I didn't know that. Yeah, I went oh, to, wow. he was a year behind me at St. Patrick's. Okay. And, um, and he used to hang out with my friend Timmy Hart. He lived next door to my friend Timmy Hart on Beacon Street. Oh, wow. So when, they, when he got elevated to acting chief, I thought, oh, this is great. Like, I actually know the guy before he became chief. Right. And not just from being a police officer. We know each other. Yep. So last night I went to the police officer firefighter of the year at the Doubletree Hotel. Thank you to Wheeler Brader and the um, Lawrence Exchange. And the chief said, no, no, no. I was walking by their table and I said, hi. He said, no, no, no. Tom, we saved you a seat here. Very different from the last wow. couple of chiefs. How about that? Very different <laughs> from the last couple of chiefs. So I got to sit with those guys and I got to chat with them a, a little bit throughout the night. And then Roy, uh, I'm sorry, Chief Vask uh, got up and read um, why it is that he nominated, who he nominated for Police Officer of the Year. And I think we have that clip. If you guys, oh, great. If you guys want to pay attention to this for a couple Thank minutes. You. It's a pleasure to be here tonight representing Lawrence Police Department. I'd like to start off by thanking the Exchange Club for putting this event together year after year. I'd like to recognize Wheeler Brenner and Bank of Dominion for sponsoring this year's event. <laughs> Lastly, I wish to congratulate all of tonight's honorees from all the different departments. The Lawrence Police Department has chosen Detective Harold Rogers as the 2017 Exchange Club Lawrence Officer of the Year. Harold worked tirelessly and diligently on upwards of 100 cases through 2017. He is a dogged investigator who cleared a remarkable and incomparable 80% of his assigned cases. This coupled with his professionalism and integrity make him an unparalleled member of the Lawrence Police Department 
and a credit to law enforcement. One of his outstanding investigations was a brazen homicide committed in broad daylight in the middle of a residential neighborhood just outside the Prospect Hill area of the city. Al was one of the first officers on scene that cold February afternoon. He was met with an adult male victim, murdered, slumped in the snow, his body riddled with bullets. Despite being the only the detectives for 33 days, he immediately took control of the scene, began to set up a burner, with uh, patrol officers and additional detectives. So one of the, I want to stop this here for a second because the two cases that he talked, I don't know if you watched this before you came in, Fred, but the two cases that he talks about as the reasons why Lawrence Police Detective Harold Rogers got this award, mm -hmm. we talked about both of those cases on this show. How we, about we that? covered both of those cases. The right? first one he's talking about, I don't know if you guys remember, my, the people who follow me on Facebook will remember because it was a huge controversy last year. I don't know if you remember Face Down in the Snow Guy. I do. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. So we named him Face Down in the Snow Guy because we got a picture of a guy who got shot in a drive-by shooting, and it was there was snow, and he fell forward into the snow. And uh, we got a picture of it, and we debated whether or not, because it's a dead guy, do we do we post right. this, do we use it, do we not use it? Pretty controversial back at the time, yeah. But because I, we, you couldn't see his face, and yep. we, we didn't release his name, right. we said, okay, let's do it, right? Yep. And the controversy that that created was incredible huge thousands yeah. of people complaining about it thousands of people saying no it's a good thing yep. uh, we had a great discussion online with a bunch of people um, that was the first one and then the second one he's going to talk about just so I don't have to stop this again mm -hmm. we talked about this on the show three or four weeks ago the murder on Reservoir Street Absolutely. on New Year's Eve right right and so Harold actually solved both of those cases wow. go ahead Stu once the scene was secure Harold additional police personnel canvassed the area for additional victims and or witnesses this produced immediate results. Key witnesses were identified as well as critical video of the actual event. Armed with this evidence in the following days, weeks, and eventual months, Hal began the long and tireless effort of interviewing witnesses and pouring over video of the crime. Through his diligence and ingenuity in these interviews and his detailed inspection of the videos of the crime in the time span before and after the crime took place, he was able to develop a partial plate as well as a naked model of a suspected motor vehicle. Based on this information, pouring over reams of RMV information, Hal was able to identify a possible match of the suspected motor vehicle. He continued his investigation and contacted the Boston Police Department with information regarding the registered owner, who matched a suspect description gleaned from the crime video. This contact with the Boston Police Department resulted in Hal investigating this potential suspect's gang ties to clothing worn during the crime. After learning that the suspect motor vehicle had been involved in a recent motor vehicle accident, Prior to the date of the crime, Detective Rogers tracked down the individual that was involved in the accident with the suspect. This person had a picture of the recent damage to the suspect's vehicle. How was then able to match up this damage to the damage of the suspected vehicle caught on camera in the video of the crime? This piece of evidence was crucial in linking the suspect to this homicide. Finally, Hal was able to track down the suspect's cell phone number and was able to pinpoint the area of time of the incident. This outstanding effort by Detective Rogers produced an extremely strong circumstantial case against the suspect, which provided the probable cause to obtain a search warrant and arrest warrant for the suspect in his current residence in Boston and of the suspected motor vehicle. On May 23, 2017, Detective Rogers, along with the Massachusetts State Police, executed an arrest and search warrant of the suspect's residence. This resulted in the successful arrest of the suspect, as well as the seizure of two semi-automatic handguns and crucial piece of evidence that directly linked the suspect to the homicide. 
The second case I'd like to highlight was another homicide which took place this past New Year's Eve, during which a young male was violently murdered in his parked motor vehicle on a desolate spot of Reservoir Street, just outside the gates of St. Mary's Cemetery. This male had been shot multiple times in the face and body. Detective Rogers was assigned this homicide along with other detectives. After some initial interviews with people who knew the victim, Al began to focus on the estranged husband of the victim's current pregnant girlfriend. Through persistent determination, he was able to disprove the husband's, the estranged husband's timetable and alibi. Working on this premise, additional interviews with people associated with the victim and the suspect revealed that the suspect could not account for his whereabouts at the time of the murder. Based on this, Hal located video of the suspect's very distinct looking truck driving around the one block area of the crime scene before the murder. Hal also located a video of the truck driving by the victim's vehicle seconds before the murder and minutes after. Unable to explain this and why his iPhone location services put him in the area of the murder at the time, Detective Rogers obtained an arrest warrant and search warrant for the husband in his apartment. After he was arrested and search warrant was executed, neither the suspect nor any of his family members, including the victim's pregnant girlfriend, were able to explain where the suspect's clothing was seen wearing on the night of the murder was located. In these investigations and numerous others conducted by Detective Rogers throughout 2017, that make him a unanimous choice for Exchange Club Officer of Lawrence Police Department. These guys, you can cut that too. These guys, these guys are true heroes. It's outstanding. You know, we say heroes, and I think the word gets overused by a lot of people. Yep. Uh, baseball players are kids' heroes. Actors are kids' heroes. The real heroes are the guys that usually don't get recognized. Right. And they go out there and they put their life on the line. And you know, they're dealing with very dangerous people. This guy that they arrested. Um, who killed face down in the snow guy. It was a drive-by shooting at 2 in the afternoon in mm -hmm. front of a bus full of kids. Wow. So there's a bus full of kids coming down the street. The bus driver stops. He lets two kids off, and a black car coming the other way, the guy standing on the opposite side of the street, does a drive-by, and they keep going. Wow. And Detective Harold Rogers went out, and, and a number of other Lawrence police officers went out, and they found that this guy was connected to a gang. By the way, the gang that was threatening me, so thanks for taking that guy off the street. Um, and they found out that this guy was connected to a gang, that it was a gang hit, and they actually got the guy. And, um, you know... They're going to have a they're going to have a price in their head now for the rest of their life because they they, yeah. they grabbed a gang member, and I don't think people realize that the the severity of the gangs in our inner cities and what they do they target cops mm -hmm. they target reporters they target prosecutors, and they don't care because the gang that this guy happens to be in is without saying the name of the gang it's a gang that started in prison it started as a prison gang so they've got a support network in prison so they don't care if they go to jail because they have it just as good in jail as they have uh, sometimes better than outside of jail because they have this entire support network to get drugs to get food to get whatever they need to get while they're in jail and they order hits from inside jail too we have a lot not to digress i know you've got other stuff but there's a lawrence police officer right now who's the head of the gang unit who they put a $20,000 bounty on his head. They've actually got on video the guy making the payoff. Wow. But they didn't get the guy who took the payoff. He got oh, away. Man. 
And so, you know, the U.S. Marshals are like watching this guy trying to protect him while he's out there doing his job. And um, he's riding around the city of Lawrence every night. And they told the chief told him, why don't you work inside till we get this worked out? Why don't you know, why don't we reassign you? And he said, no way. He said, then they win. And he's out there still every night and he's out there doing his job. And he's out there actually right now. We actually uh, they were doing a raid this afternoon before uh, we got here. And um, that's courage. You know, wow. courage, courage isn't not being scared. Courage is being scared and doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. And these guys, these guys do it anyway. They deserve a lot of, they deserve a lot of credit. Definitely. Well, talk about a great event last night to yeah. recognize them, give them some of that credit. So yeah. good for them. That's terrific. Well, so listen, Tom, we got our next story here, and we're actually going to turn to politics, kind of a dubious okay, subject. Sure. But, you know, I'm up um, for it. if you follow mass politics, and particularly Massachusetts Republican politics, you know that the Mass Republican Party has had a longstanding rule in place that when there is a primary challenge in one of the races, they don't get involved. They're neutral in a right. primary. And this week, uh, there was a change in that uh, that was proposed by the executive committee, apparently, of the Republican Party, according to the Boston Globe. uh, And they scrapped rules banning it from taking sides in primary fights, and they put their full organizational muscle behind Governor Charlie Baker's re-election efforts. Good for them. So Good for them. What do you think about that? You seem well, supportive of that. I, I am supportive of that. Normally I would be against that, right? Yep. Because the party should stay out of the out of the primary fights. We know that they don't. We know that they right. pretend. Both parties do this. They pretend we're not going to get involved. And then they pick their favorite candidate and then behind the scenes they help them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it I think You've got a lot of people, you know, like I'm a Tea Party guy, I'm a right-wing Tea Party guy. I left the Republican Party for a lot of reasons, but the main reason was because they keep circling the wagons and shooting in. Right. All the people to the right of center in the Republican Party in Massachusetts hates Charlie Baker. Mm-hmm. He banned bum stocks, he's for gay marriage, all the social issues, he's with the liberals, he's with the Democrats on the social issues, and they hate that. So they attack him every chance they get. And... I argue with them all the time saying, would you rather have Martha Coakley? Would you rather have a Maura Healy? Right. Their answer yeah. is yes. <laughs> wow. Their answer is yes. And the reason their answer is yes is they can go out and rail against Maura Healy or Martha Coakley. They can raise money on it. They can go out and hold rallies and say, look how awful it is, all these things that they're doing. But if it's a Republican, it's one of their own. So they would rather kill the Republican and let a Democrat win so they can rail against it, raise money and hold rallies and be important, be the big fish in the little pond, wow. than to have a guy who agrees with you 50% of the time. And Charlie Baker, maybe even 60% of the time, is right. on board with the Republican agenda. Yep, sure. So he's not with us on the social issues. So what? The Democrat would be against you 100% of the time. Right. They'd be out there pushing abortion on demand up to third grade. Mm-hmm. How does that help? I mean, you either, you either care about... There's the, the, the state that you live in or you don't. You either care about the community you live in or you yeah. don't. And apparently they don't. Right. And that's one of the reasons I left the Republican Party. I'm tired of the circular firing squads. You've got a guy in there. It's like I supported Katie Ives. She's a liberal Democrat. She's mm-hmm. a state senator. Yep. And my right-wing Republican friends, you're a traitor. You're a traitor. No, not really. I would rather have Katie Ives who does nothing for the Democrat cause. She's not out there pushing abortion. She's not out there pushing gay marriage. She's not out there pushing transgender acceptance and if she were to leave there's a real good chance that you'd probably get someone further to the left of her like Mm -hmm. a jamie eldridge who would be championing these things and working hard for these things so why wouldn't i support a democrat that's going to make other democrats crazy yep and 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 screw up their own party agenda Mm -hmm. that's just how i i try to think it makes sense i try to think tactically right so anyways well 
So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Massachusetts Republicans have their convention coming up in late April. So okay. this will be something I'm sure that gets a lot of attention as we Maybe go we'll forward, cover that. So. Maybe we'll do our show from the convention. Oh, there you year. go. That'd be interesting. I, I think I know a few people over there. We might be, be able to You probably pull that know off. a few people, yeah. Okay. So, Tom, continue on politics. Um, we want to talk for a minute about Methuen State Representative Diana DeZoglio. Love her. She's a solid supporter of Valley Patriot and of everything that you do. And she uh, she was working on an important issue this week. She wanted to get to the bottom of uh, reports that the Mass Department of Revenue was failing to make child support payments to an unknown number of children statewide for more than four weeks. Yeah. And this is actually a story that was ripped from the headlines of the Valley Patriot that covered this and broke yep. the story. Exclusive. And- By the way, we broke this exclusive story two days ago. Yep. And the Boston Press still hasn't picked it up. Amazing, right? They, w- they will eventually, but they, they will have, eventually. They, they haven't picked story. it up. Yeah. It's a big story. So this all started because Desoglio said she heard from a constituent in North Andover uh, who was complaining about the fact that DOR was not sending her the payments that she needed to care for her three kids. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently that the, the person in question was supposed to be, make, be making these payments was supposed to be making them to this individual and to another person as well. Um, and combined all together was for about $700 a week worth of payments. Um, they called DOR and DOR really wasn't able to proffer an explanation as to where these payments were. So Representative DeZoglio wanted to get to the bottom of it. Uh, and I understand that I think you have some late breaking news in terms of how this all worked out. So yeah. tell us about that. So Diana, uh, Representative DeZoglio sent an email to um, DOR. Right. And basically said, you know what the hell? What's going on here? Give me an explanation. Um, just tell, tell yeah. me what's going on. I have constituents that are upset about this. Mm-hmm. Their answer was basically, yeah, we've got a problem, and we're working on it, and it's an undetermined number of people, and we're trying to make it work, and uh, thanks for thanks for being interested. So that answer, so Representative DeZoglio said, quote, their answer was sorely lacking in detail. Yeah. When sorely a politician lack- says that, you know that it's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That was That's a bad true. answer. That's true. That's yeah. true. So she, I, my understanding is she met this morning with the head of DOR. Um, I haven't heard from her as to how that meeting went. I can't imagine it went well for DOR. Probably not great. Because yeah. she is, she's a spitfire. Um, but I did get notified. Uh, 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 let me try that again. I did get notified by the woman in North Andover, Alexis mm-hmm. Kelly, who wasn't getting her payments. And sh- magically, magically, less than 24 hours after Diana DeZoglio sent her letter to DOR mm-hmm. and we posted this story, mm-hmm. she's now starting to get payments. It's not what she's supposed to be getting. Yep. It was only like two or 300 or four, three or $400. Um, and they still owe her a lot more. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing how once, the, once your name's on in a newspaper, once your name's in a news story and it involves... You know, state agencies. All yeah. of a sudden, no, yeah, no problem. Nothing to see that? here. No, we'll give you the money. Not a problem. It's magic, like you said, right. amazing. Right. So That's we're, we're going to continue to follow this because uh, here's my prediction, and we'll know in an, another another show or two. My prediction is this is widespread. Mm-hmm. That there is, it's not a glitch in the system. Right. I think there's money missing, and mm-hmm. I think they're moving money around from account to account, trying to figure out how to how to cover it up. Right. Um, and I only say that because I know people, and I started making phone calls when this happened, and I had people who normally Normally, will tell me stuff off the record. Didn't mm. want to even touch this. Really? They were like, "Look, this is this is way this is way past my pay grade. I'm wow. not even going near this." Wow. So when you have politicians that are usually even off the record willing to give you stuff, mm-hmm. and they're running away from an issue, that's yep. how you know it's a pretty big you issue. You know, it's bad. Yeah. Yep. Well, we'll be watching that. But that sounds like that's a combination of some good journalism and some good work by an elected official yep. to try to get this resolved. Yep. So we were, well we done worked on very that. well together, Diana. Absolutely. <laughs> so we actually have more news about Representative DeZoglio. Uh, this is on a completely different issue. Oh, no. Now you're going to make me beat up on Diana after no, all that? No, 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 no. We give the news, Tom. All right. We give the news. We all tell right. the news straight, right? So, um, 
Representative DeZoglio is also working on a bill aimed at non-disclosure agreements in the workplace, <laughs> which she says is an effort to empower victims. She wants to do away with companies' non-disclosure agreements that she says protect perpetrators of harassment, discrimination, and other abuses while preventing victims from healing. Listen, I love Diana DeZoglio. I don't think anybody can dispute that. You don't sound like you like this one too much. She's That's way out of friggin' control bit, on no. this. Mm-hmm. She needs to focus on local Methuen North Andover issues and stay away from this Me Too bullshit. Um, you know, let's just think logically for a minute. Nothing that the news presents is ever as simple as they present it to mm-hmm. be. These non-disclosure agreements are there for a reason. For you know, for example, you have a lot of women who don't want their name in the paper, who don't want to be public, who don't want the accusation to go public. They don't want to be thought of as a victim. You have a lot of guys out there that get wrongly accused, and they settle the case in order to make it go away because they don't want it to destroy their career. And even though they didn't do anything wrong, and I actually know a guy who went through this, he didn't do anything wrong. And the only way to make this not be in the paper and lose his business Mm -hmm. was to settle it out of court. And the woman said, Fine, if you want to give me whatever the number was, $50,000, whatever, I'll go away and never talk about it again. Non-disclosure agreements are something that both sides have to agree to. Mm-hmm. And you're taking the choice of people involved in a very complicated issue, and every issue is different, right? You can't, you can't label and stereotype domestic violence or sexual harassment because it comes in many different forms. Mm-hmm. And people lie. I don't know why CNN doesn't get this. I don't know why the mainstream media and the Democrat Party or Diana doesn't get this. But people lie. Men beat their wives and they lie about it. Women accuse their husbands of beating them and they're lying about it sometimes. And these non-disclosure agreements are actually a tool to help get, first of all, to keep things out of court, right? You want to settle the case, keep it out of court. Everybody's going to spend money on lawyers. Nobody wins at that point. Even the people who win end up not winning. But we have to remember that we live in a society where you are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. And if someone is willing to settle something out of court and, they, and, and there's a non-disclosure agreement agreed to by both sides, that should be their choice. It's amazing how the Democrats are all pro-choice when it comes to abortion, but nothing else. Well, so let's cover both sides of this for a second. All right, sure. so, so in her defense, so Representative DeSoglio was saying that You're going to defend Diana on my show? I'm just going to give the news, all and right, you're going to okay. give your opinion about right. it, all right? DeSoglio says that perpetrators are essentially paying to silence their victims. Right. potentially continue crimes, that this is basically a power issue, and that um, what these non-disclosure agreements do is they stifle people from coming forward right. and report things that should be, you know, seeing the light of day out there. Right. That should well, be reported. So, so, he, so here's my thought. Yep. Go to the cops. If you want to make it a public thing and you don't want non-disclosure agreements to hinder you, first of all, don't agree to the non-disclosure agreement. Sue the guy and go to court. Don't agree to it. Right? This is something that's the woman's choice. Mm-hmm. She can say when the, when the, when the guy who sex, supposedly sexually harassed her, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but when his lawyer approaches her lawyer and says, look, we'll give you $100,000 if it goes away, but there's got to be a non-disclosure agreement, they have to agree to that. That's not like something that they put in that everyone has to accept. Mm-hmm. It's something that they have to choose. I don't know. I, 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 we'll see. It's amazing how the Democrats love, 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 love choice when it comes to abortion. Mm-hmm. But they don't want you to have the choice to carry a gun. They don't want you to have a choice to settle uh, uh, agreements out of court, have non-disclosure agreements. They don't, want you, they don't want you to have any choice on anything. 
Except abortion. If you want to kill your baby, I guess that's okay. Well, we'll see what happens. So th- this bill, we're going to follow this bill. This is currently in the Joint Committee on Labor and Workforce Development, and the chair of that committee gave the bill an extension. So they're going to keep working on this bill throughout the remainder of the legislative session. And Representative DeZoglio says she hopes to get it passed as quickly as possible. I, I hate to say this publicly. I'll tell you what uh-oh. I told. I'll tell. You, I'll tell all of you guys, all nine uh-oh. of you when watching. When Tom says that, uh oh. Um, I am going to be working very hard to make sure that Diana DeZoglio's bill gets killed in committee. Uh, I'm probably going to fail because Democrats run the, run the legislature and they want to take people's freedoms away anytime something happens. Anytime something happens that, that stirs people up politically, their answer is always take someone's freedom away. Mm-hmm. Right? Apparently Democrats think we have way too much freedom. They think that's the problem with America. So I'm working. For, I'm going to work very hard to stop that bill. We'll see what um, happens. And it's going to and it's going to hurt because Diana and I work on a lot of other stuff like this DOR stuff. Yep. And she's not going to be happy. She she doesn't she she's not someone who handles um, even constructive criticism very well. Sometimes well, some, sometimes but a debate is a good thing. So we'll see. Maybe, I agree. I know. agree. So Tom, just very quickly, we have a good news story here to report Yay. on the city of Haverhill. Love good news. So and this is also. Ripped from the pages of the Valley Patriot. So there were um, some students at Whittier Tech who are now using music therapy as a way to help patients with Alzheimer's disease communicate with family and friends. Kind of an interesting story behind this. So they were watching a film... called Alive Inside, and it follows a guy by the name of Dan Cohen who founded a nonprofit organization called Music and Memory that worked to combat memory loss in patients through the use of music. And these students wanted to replicate the process um, you know, locally, so they contacted Cohen with his assistance. They received training over the summer to implement the program at the Wingate at Haverhill, and now they're using music to help residents with Alzheimer's and dementia relive memories that they were thought to have been lost. Uh, and... Um, on February 14th, just this past week, the three friends spent a portion of their afternoon in Wingate to train staff and meet the residents there. Uh, so they're now in the first phase of the project, and um, following completion of the training, family members of Wingate will meet with the group to assist with compiling a list of songs from their childhood that are going to be used for therapy, and then once complete, they're going to download those songs onto an iPod and use them as a resource tool for staff to be able to communicate with these patients. So that's, kind of an amazing, amazing. story just yeah. here locally. You took the word right out of my head. I was, yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, that's just amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And yeah. good work by these students. Listen, I think kid, kid, we should listen more to kids. We're going to talk about Absolutely. that a little bit more when Paul comes. Yep. Um, we should listen more to kids. You see these kids that were involved in the shooting. I don't agree with some of them getting up there saying take the guns because they're kids and they're young mm-hmm. and they don't know better. Mm-hmm. But we should be hearing them and right. we should be listening because sometimes they have much better ideas than we do on stuff. Right, yep. Because they're not, they're not restrained by, you know, the stuff that we're restrained by in our head. Of the, right. We know how the process works. Some of them don't know. So yep. they come up with stuff that we never would have thought of. Once again, good to have more voices in the process to have lots of people involved. Uh, Tom, we're almost done with news, but before we leave, just wanted to uh, let you give a big thank you to someone who's supporting that bash that you were talking about. Coming up on March 23rd, and uh, I'll just I'll set it up for you. You can talk a little bit about it. But so this is Gene Smith from Military Connections, and he donated donated excuse me a thousand dollars to the Lawrence High School ROTC student to receive right. a scholarship at the bash. Yep. So the, every year at the bash, we give out scholarships. Yep. Um, last year we had two Lawrence High kids. I think we gave them two thousand each. And then we had another kid from the Vogue that we gave to. Um, and then we had, I think, another kid from Methuen that uh, we didn't give to. Um, the Methuen police 
give a scholarship every year, mm -hmm. but they don't have like a ceremony or anything. They just kind of mail the kid the check. So we said, right. why don't you guys come to our event right. and you can present the check and we'll, you know, get more people in the room and, you know, it'll be fun. You'll have, we'll get your pictures, we'll put you in the paper and, right. and, and we'll highlight what you did. Um, so... Gene came to me, uh, he's a member of the Lawrence Lions, I'm a member of the Lawrence Lions, mm -hmm. he came to me yesterday or the day before, because I don't sleep, so I don't even know what day it is <laughs> half the time, and he said, Tom, he said, I've got $1,000 in our account, and I loved that you guys were, uh, he came to the bash last year and he was totally blown away, uh -huh. and he, um, he said, you know what I want to do? He said, I, I want to take that $1,000 and donate it to a Lawrence High Kid in the ROTC at your bash. How about that? So can you dedicate a, a scholarship to an ROTC kid? Now, the, the, the amazing part of this is that ROTC comes to our event every year anyway. Right. They come and they basically they quiet the room. They come in with the flags and they sure. do a march. Yep. And that shuts everybody Very up. Very impressive. So something yep. big, something important is going to go on. Yep, yep. So they're going to be in the room anyway. We're going to have Jeff Riley make sure that the kid getting the award is part of the ROTC kids that march in. Oh, that's terrific. And we're not going to tell him he's even nominated. <laughs> and then we're going to pull him out of line. And we're going to have Gene come up. Anybody who donates $1,000 or more, $500 or more for a scholarship, yep. the person who makes the donation, we will have them come up and hand the kid the check. That's terrific. Take their picture, put it in the paper, everybody wins. What a good cause. Yep. That's terrific. Good for you. So while we're on the subject, so at, at the close of the news every week, we talk about sort of what we do. And, you know, mentioned we do real estate, we do all this stuff. But one of the important things we do in my job is we support the Valley Patriot and Love all that. the efforts that you do uh, support you in terms of getting you out there to speak with people and lining you up for opportunities to, to educate the community about sort of the, some of the issues that we talk about here and paying attention all the time and that you read about the Valley Patriot but we also try to support the bash mm -hmm. coming up on March 23rd so if people are listening if they're watching this podcast and they want to find out more information about how to support the bash maybe donate something maybe kind of sponsor the show here you know you can see uh, if you're watching it on YouTube, you can see some of the ads we run on the screen right. and everything. Become a sponsor of the show. Reach out to us. Uh, you can call 978-494-4450 or email lyric at lyricconsulting.com. We'll get you all the information you need to become a sponsor and to support this very important cause coming up on March 23rd. And, and we would appreciate it because all of the money goes to a lot of good places. It sure does. Um, I know that... Uh, one of the guys we're going to surprise with a check is actually watching, so I can't say what it is. Okay. If, I, if, I, if I didn't Don't think he was watching, it. I would have spoiled it. Don't spoil it. Um, but it's a, it's a great event, and we give, uh, we give awards to cops, firefighters, and veterans. Um, and we also uh, try to honor people in the community who do things. Like we've got a guy that is involved in a nonprofit where kids uh, that helps kids. Yep. And when a kid joins and they don't have money for a uniform, they mm -hmm. don't have money for equipment, mm -hmm. this guy takes the money out of his pocket. And he goes and he gets them a uniform or the equipment that wow. they need. How about that? And so I heard this from someone, and I ran into him one day, and I said, hey, I heard a story. Is this true? I just yeah. wanted to know. Yeah. Out of curiosity. And he said, yeah, not only that. And he started telling me some of the other stuff that's coming out of his pocket. And he's like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Yep. He said, you know, I love this. And I'm not saying which nonprofit because he's watching. Right. But uh, he said, you know, I, I put a lot of time into this, and we do a lot for, for the kids. But I just I can't be spending you know all this money out of my pocket anymore, yep, yep. and and we're hurting financially. So when he comes, he's going to be at the bash that night. We're going to present him with a check for something to help That's him out great. with that. That's yeah. great. That's great. A lot of good causes out yeah. there. A lot of people that this bash supports. So. And I personally screen every nonprofit that we give money to. That's they right. have to give a hundred percent to the cause that they support. I look at their books. I visit them. Yep. Uh, we're going to give money, a little money, to Daybreak Homeless Shelter this year. I work at Day Daybreak, mm -hmm. uh, not officially, right? But I work with Karina trying to help people there um 
I know what they do with their money. I went on the Secretary of State's website. I see what it is that they're doing. They're doing amazing work, so yep. we're going we're to try and give them some money. Some very worthy causes yep. and doing some great work in the community. Thank so you. Thank definitely, you. definitely get involved. If and, you're, you're, and you and Meredith are going to be doing a live news feed. I think we will, yeah. From the Bash. Lots to talk about it's at the be, Bash. That's so, great. So, but, but go to the Bash. Get yes. tickets. you got to be there. But if you can't be there, we'll be doing live news feed and keep you informed of everything that's happening and all the surprises that come up that evening. So yep. you, can get your ticket, you can get your tickets on eventbrite.com. Yep. By the end of today, I'll have it up on the Valley Patriot website. Um, or you can just call me or email me. We'll actually have physical tickets hopefully by tomorrow that we can actually start selling. Great. Good stuff. Yep. Good stuff. Great cause. Thanks. All right, Tom. That's it. No That's more news? news? That's your news. I ruined your whole day just for that? No, it was fun. He keeps saying that, Good but stories. I still got a feeling he's like, hey, my whole day He's, is gone. You never for trust me. I don't know. Right. You know. It's all good. All right. It's all good. good. All right. Well, thank you very much, Fred. Thanks, uh, Tom. Meredith, I want to promise that she'll be back next week. Uh, I'm going through uh, Meredith withdrawals. I promise yeah. a lot, but, you know, we'll work on it. We're working. All right. All right. Very good. We'll be good. We'll have the news either way. Very good. I want to thank Twin Light Security for sponsoring the Paying Attention podcast, Uh, Twin Light Security and Investigations. um, They not only sponsor the Valley Patriot, but they sponsor the podcast. And my understanding is they're also helping us sponsor the Bash. Uh, We appreciate Mike Thibodeau and Pat McLaughlin for doing that. I also want to thank Joe Zingales from Team Zingales, Century 21. And I had a third. Oh, and Angelo. Don't forget Angelo. He's at the old Metropolitan building on South Broadway in Lawrence. Angelo now runs A&B Auto, and um, he came from, like, either Everett or Revere somewhere and decided to move his business to Lawrence. Oh, wow. Anytime someone decides to go from anywhere else into Lawrence for any reason, we want to help those guys out. Because, yeah, right. Listen, you're you're out of the frying pan into the fire. We want to make sure we help you get some business. So if somebody hits your car, somebody scratches your car, you get a ding on your car, you get into an accident... Go see Angelo at A&B Auto Body on South Broadway in Lawrence. Tell him that you're a friend of the Valley Patriot or this podcast, and he'll give you a good deal. Sounds great. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Fred, thanks so much. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we've got Paul Morano, and we're going to talk about some stuff, and then in the next segment after that, we get Phil the Future. Phil DiCollegero will be here. All right. On Paying Attention. Why? Because it really works. 
Hi, I'm Allie from EISA. We provide security, investigations, and training. We advertise in the Valley Patriot. Why? Because it really works. Twin Lights Security and Investigations advertises in the Valley Patriot newspaper. Why? Because it really works. But don't take our word for it. Just ask our advertisers. They'll tell you advertising in the Valley Patriot newspaper really works. Once again, you are paying attention, and here's your host, Tom Duggan. That's what they tell me. No, 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 please, no, no, stop, no, no, honest. It's just a little show that we do here. No, no, no. All right, thank you for rejoining us here on the Paying Attention Podcast. You can get us on iHeartRadio. You can download us on iTunes. You can watch us on YouTube. Um, We're actually working on monetizing the show and getting out to a couple of other networks. Um, I'm really surprised at how many people are listening to the show on the podcast because, as I said in the first segment, when I started this, we kind of thought it was a TV show. And so I was gearing everything toward the visuals, right, getting the commercials and the stuff in the front. And then I, I, I look and see how many people are watching us live, and it's like three. And then I get in my car, and I go live on Facebook, and 4,000 people watch me drive home, and I can't figure that out. And so after the third or fourth week, I went to I Dave. I figured it out. You have a face for radio. Well, that's it. Yeah. So I went to Dave here at Two Guys Smoke Shop here at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe and said, hey, um, you know, I don't think this is working. I mean, I'm having fun, and I'll keep doing it for a little while, but we're not making any money, and nobody's watching. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. Everything is audio now on the internet. No one's going to watch a video because they have to sit at their computer or stare at their phone. They want the audio so they can put it on their iPod and listen when they're driving or put it in their car, listen when they're driving, listen when they're jogging. He said the first, first show you had 4,000 people listening. 4,000 people downloaded the first show. 4,000 people. And we How have many? 4,000. So we, I don't have any numbers for January yet. I should have that today at the end of the show. Uh, I can't imagine that it's, it's not going to be double or triple that because we've really promoted the crap out of this show. Hopefully we have more listening. Um, so now I'm trying to gear everything back toward the format of the Paying Attention radio program. So I brought in a bunch of clips. I'm sure you'll remember some of these clips from previous yeah. shows. And we're going to run them during the next commercial break. Um, uh, you know, promos, like, you know, this is Charlie Baker. You're listening to Paying Attention. Uh, you know, some of the people that called in and yelled at me, we made bumpers out of them. We're going to start running that for the audio. Uh, so I want to thank Dave. I want to thank everybody who sponsors the show. And I also want to thank Dave again for donating a uh, cigar tasting for eight, a $300 value for our Valley Patriot Bash raffle. Interesting. And we're going to, um, we're not even going to raffle this off. We're going to put it out as a silent auction. A cigar tasting. Yeah. For eight people. Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I guess he supplies the cigars yeah. for eight people. I, they they can try a, different a, kind of varieties of cigars. Yeah, it's a new concept to me. If you have wine tastings, why not cigar sure, tastings? Sure, sure. So we want to thank Dave for that. And, um, you know, always great to have, uh, to have some great ideas from Dave because Dave does other shows here. And so he kind of has an idea of what works and what doesn't work, right? And uh, so I like—I always like to talk to people that are smarter than me at certain things. Yeah. Because I know I don't know everything, but I also know that I know someone who knows everything. So what works then? Uh, well, we're going to be—we're going to be talking about that in future shows. <laughs> okay. So. Thanks for coming, Paul. Is there, is there Thanks for coming, Paul. Paul, always, is there anything, is Paul there, always finds a way to take the least important thing that you say and try and stretch 20 minutes out of it. Is there, is there anything? Oh, never mind. Forget it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. See, now we got him trained. It only took 12 years, but we got him trained. 
<laughs> That's great. So I've got a bunch of things that I want to talk about. We have Phil DiColagero. Phil, the future is going to join us in the next segment. Um, uh, but do you have anything? I know you had something last week and the week before, and we never got to it. And so I, I, I still kind of wanted to talk to talk about some of those things. We chatted off the air yesterday, uh, last week. Um, we could either talk about some of those things. I have a couple other things that we could mention. Maybe, right. maybe we can do these quickly. Okay. Uh, or ra- rather quickly. Um, I find it interesting how when I watch, and it hasn't been all that much lately, but when I watch um, news shows on the left and the right, they don't seem to be saying all that much differently, uh, specifically. When I, when I listen to shows on the left, it seems like it's, there's a lot of people that say, I'm for the Second Amendment, but. But, right, yeah. yeah. I'm for free speech, yeah. but. Yeah, there's the, I'm yeah. for the Second Amendment, but. Yeah. And then on the right, it's, it's very often, we need to tighten up on who has guns. Right. And, and I don't think either side disagrees with any of those basic things. The, the problem seems to be, Nobody's speaking about specifics. Right. Specifically, what would help the situation today? Right. That's because they don't have any solutions. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any specific solutions. It's just well, there is emotional. One, well, there is one. Emotional ranting. There is one. What? They want to take our guns away. It's about disarming the American population. But as that, soon as this happened, CNN went into overdrive. The blood was still on the ground. This blood was the still on is, the floor. I hear you. And but they were yelling and screaming yeah, about taking people's guns. There's no question. There's all that emotional ranting. But the more reasonable ones say, do, do often begin with, I'm for the Second Amendment, but. Right. And those are the liars. Those, <laughs> those are people you know they're lying. <laughs> but I still don't know precisely what these butts are. Well, they, they, their butts are, I'm for the Second Amendment, but I think we should ban this kind of gun because it looks scary. But we should get rid of bump stocks because uh, it helps people shoot more guns. But I don't hear any reasonable discussion right. about There's it. There's no reason. There you is know, no it, reasonable It looks discussion. scary, therefore we should ban it. I right. mean, they're the, the scary ones are the ones that don't kill anybody. Right. They're the ones that nobody uses to, for any of these shootings. Right. It's the less scary ones right. that, that people are using and for these shootings. And they cry about the AR-15. Let me tell you something about the AR-15, okay? First of all, it's not a machine gun. It's not an automatic weapon, the way it's been portrayed in the news. It's not. It's no different than a rifle, than a regular rifle that you go out turkey shooting with. It's a rifle. It shoots one bullet at a time. The only difference between the AR-15 and a regular rifle is that the AR-15 has all kinds of pretty attachments that look scary to people on it, right? It looks scary. It looks militarized. And we know that the Democrats really only care about how things look and how things sound, not how Mm. things are. Okay. So So you have people who know absolutely nothing about guns in the legislature, banning guns, not based on how many bullets they shoot, not based on how many people have been you know, murdered with these guns, but based on how they look. They look scary. So we're going we're gonna, to, there's something called a barrel shroud. If you're shooting a, 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 a rifle, after so many bullets, the, the barrel of the gun starts to heat up. So you can't hold mm, it. It gets hot. Right. So they have what they call a barrel shroud, which is kind of like, um, like a cushion that you can use between your hand and the barrel when you're holding it. And they want to ban that. They yeah. want to ban that it because looks we, we, because it looks scary. Yeah. It looks like a militarized weapon. Well, you know what? Look, if you want to fall for that, if you're a stupid millennial and you want to fall for that without actually doing any research or common sense thinking on your own, good luck to you. But those of us who think for ourselves, look at the bump stock ban, look at the scary weapons ban, look at the shroud, uh, possible shroud ban, and say, this is not, this is not going to stop one mass murder. It's not going to stop one. And... Pretending that it will is nothing more than a lie to disarm the American people. So the problem is, I mean, 
You know that I'm, I've always been relatively left of center when it comes to this issue. I'm not pro-gun. I'm not anti-gun. I'm not pro-NRA. I'm not any of that Are stuff. Are you pro-Constitution? I'm pro-Constitution. Okay. That's a good start. Yeah, that's a, that's a, and as a matter of fact, that's exactly where I was going. We can't pretend that the Second Amendment does not exist. Right. Uh, we can't pretend that it... So, so we have to deal with it, either that or let's get rid of the Second Amendment. Right. Or alter it some way. But since don't we, say that. Don't give them any ideas. Yeah, but if, the, if we don't do that, which, you know, that, that's, a, that's an option, I suppose, then at least let's look at what it says. And it speaks of having enough ammunition to form a militia that is able to defend the citizens against a tyrannical government. Right. Now, we may or may not have one now, depending on your point of view. I think most people would say we don't. Um, Germany was a free people right. back in the 1930s. And look what rose up out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you had a Nazi regime, and they were killing Jews, et cetera, et cetera. After, it, after they disarmed them. After, after they disarmed them. So it is possible that something like that could happen in the United States, and the Founding Fathers knew that. Think about the insanity of what mm. you watch on CNN every day. Because I watch it every day in my office. Helps me keep my blood pressure up, keeps my energy going. I watch CNN, even though I hate CNN. I hate every single friggin' person on CNN, except uh, Martin Savage, who's an excellent reporter. Uh, Everyone else, every single other person on CNN is absolute liar. And I watch it, and he, think about what they're telling you. If you just think critically for a second, on the one hand, Trump is a Nazi. Okay. He's, he's, he's a Nazi, and he's also a spy for communist Russia. On the other hand, we want Trump to take all your guns. Hello? Any, I mean, yeah, anybody home? That's, how a, do you, that's how, a contradiction. How do you square those two? And mm -hmm. in the same show, they're saying, you know, segment one, Trump's a Nazi, Trump's a communist, Trump's with Putin, Trump's a Russian spy. Then they take a break and they come back and go, yeah, we should give up all our guns. Well, we should, only yeah, the government should have there guns. Is, there is a lot of talk on the left about um, Donald Trump being at the beginnings of a totalitarian kind of, kind of regime. And they want to help him by having uh, him take all your guns. On the other side, they don't want to defend themselves against a potential <laughs> right. totali totalitarian regime. So it is a little contradictory there. But, a little. Uh, but on the other hand, um, we need to do something. Now, the question is what? What will work? Nothing. And we don't have enough intelligent conversation about that. Nothing's going to work. I, we talked about it last week. Mm. You live, listen, you live in a free society, okay? Well, when you live in a free society, things will happen. People are going to choose to do yeah. bad things. Our right. government was not established to prevent no. anything. I want to say that again. Our government was not established Look. to prevent anything. It is to react to people who break the laws that our legislature has passed. So if someone chooses... Wait a minute. What, then why are there armed guards anywhere if, if, if the government does to not... To respond. The, you have armed well, guards... Well, it's to protect. Right, right. But to respond. Yeah. If someone shows up with a gun, you've got people there to shoot back. It's to respond. It's not really to prevent. Now, government right. has gotten in the business of preventing. They want to prevent bullying, prevent child abuse. They spend billions and billions and billions of dollars on, on social programs right. to prevent all right. kinds of things that they never prevent. And the funny thing is, whenever I ask a legislature, uh, legislator, Look. 
uh, hey, geez, you just spent a million dollars on um, obesity prevention. Uh, how do you measure that? All right, I hear you. Can you Pre measure that? You can tell me how many people response, aren't obese as a response to what you did? I hear you. Response, None. zero. not prevent. Right. But how about protect? I mean, we have we these protect. conglomeration factories that we call public schools today. Right. I mean, it, I think the answer is getting rid of them. <laughs> but right. but if you're not going to do I that. I don't disagree with that yeah. at all. But uh, that's, a, that's a, a conversation for a whole other show. Yes. If you're not going to do that, then how best, I'm not saying it'll, it'll ever be perfect in this world. Never will be. But how best do you protect children? that are there. And look, we talked about this last week. Cops in the schools. All right. Uh, arming, not all the teachers, but arming uh, four, five, six teachers in, in each school. And, you know, you you fell into what the liberals always say as an answer to that. What's that? Do we want the Wild West? Well, it's the yeah. Wild West now, except there's nobody shooting back at the bad guys. You've got people who can walk into a movie theater and shoot it up, and there's a sign outside the movie theater that well. says, gun-free zone. They go into a school, they go to a college, because they know there's no right. one's going to shoot back. Well... Like I, I also said to you, it seems to me at this point we need to either have much less guns in society or much more. I, I, I'm, it, I'm with the much more. It, it doesn't seem to be reasonable to stay where we are. Yeah. No. I think we're at a watershed moment. Yeah. When I see conservatives like Greg Gutfeld, when I see conservatives um, on TV, on the radio, start to waver. Yes. When Donald Trump starts to waver on guns. Well, uh, you know, it might be political posturing. but It could, it could okay. be, but he's still sending the wrong signals. Yeah. Mm. And when you start to see that, you know we're at a watershed moment. Um, I, I can't mm. imagine having any more guns. We have so many gun laws in this country, so many gun laws, it's ridiculous. It's impossible for a gun owner to know what they all are. But here's the funny thing. Rather than having more laws that mm. aren't going to be followed, how about just enforce the friggin' laws we have? I mean, I sit in Lawrence District Court on a regular basis, and someone will come up, and they beat their wife, and they did this, and they did that. They stole the woman's car. They took money out of her account, and they have a, a handgun. And maybe they used it. Maybe they didn't use it. Maybe they threatened okay. to use it. The gun charge is always the first thing to get pleaded down because it's got mandatory time attached to it. So gang members, uh, I don't know if any of you guys remember the story that I did. The gang member that was arrested for having a, a 9 millimeter on public property. He was a gang member. The judge gave him bail. Three days later, he's back at that place, and the cops arrested him for trespassing. Eventually, a week, two weeks later, that guy's gun charge was dropped. It was just dropped. So we have a, you have, uh, even in California, I mean, the, they're wiping out all of these, all of these uh, gun sentences. Yeah. And well, so you think about what they ask us to do, like take a 30,000-foot view. They want us to pass more gun laws in reaction to a violent act so that the public will go like this and, and clap and say, yeah, you did something. And then when nobody's looking, a year later when someone gets caught with a gun, caught using a gun, whether it's a bank robbery or whatever, the gun charge is the first thing that gets pleaded down. So they're not doing the time. So it's bait and switch. It's, it's, it's theater is what it is. It's not real. None of this is real. None of it. It's, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find anything real, at least through the media. That's true. Uh, one last point about this, and then we can go on, and that is this whole mental illness thing. Yeah. Now, I noticed that you responded on one of my Facebook posts about this. Yes. I've actually changed uh, my mind twice on this, on this <laughs> issue. So well, well, let I'm me, very let schizophrenic on it, but I think yeah. I know where I need to be on this let issue. Let me see what words come out of my head here. Try, okay. try to put the foundation here. 
Um, it seems like every time there is a mass shooting like this, mental illness comes up. Right. And the presumption is, with a lot of people anyway, that if you're going to do something like that, you are mentally ill. Right. So I have two questions relating to this. Number no one. No solutions, but two questions. Yeah, well, we can talk out the solutions. Number one. You mean you'll ask more questions and yeah. I'll talk out the solutions. Number one, is it true? Is it true that if somebody does such an evil act mm -mm. that they are mentally ill? No. Let, me, let me do number two before All we right. get to number one. And number two, if it is true, even though you don't agree it is, if it is true that this, uh, these people are mentally ill, what causes this kind of mental illness? Is it always a chemical imbalance that makes somebody do something evil, or does an evil will cause a person eventually to become mentally ill? Can it go the other way? So, so those are two questions on the table. Right, I think Let your second question is, is kind of a non sequitur, so let's go to the first question first. Go ahead. Uh, and the first question was? Is, it, uh, is there always mental illness with a mass shooting? No. In fact, there's generally, usually not a mental illness when it comes to any kind of shooting. A shooting occurs, I'm going to say this slowly so people can let it sink in. A shooting occurs when a person chooses to take a gun and go shoot somebody. It's not society's fault. It's not because his daddy didn't love him. It's not because his, his uh, social worker or his guidance counselor didn't give him enough attention. It's not because he was yeah. able to buy a gun legally. It's not because of the gun laws. It's because a human being in a free it society a, chose to go out and get a gun legally or not and used it. And it is a, you're saying it is a freely chosen act yes. of a person in his right mind. Mm -hmm. That's what you're saying. Now, do you believe that that's the case most of the time? Most of the time. Right. There are cases where someone's mentally ill. They don't get life. They're, they're not living in the same world that we're living in. They've got no. some serious mental problems. They, they call it insanity. Right. right. Uh, but we used to have mental hospitals, right? Yeah. right? The government used to have mental hospitals. And somewhere in the 70s, the, right. the government realized that if anybody knew what was going on in those mental hospitals, that everyone's head would be on a block. Right. So instead of fixing the problem, they closed down all the mental hospitals and shoved these people out into the street and sent them back to their family. Now they're walking around amongst us. And yes, they can get a gun legally. But also, yes, they can get a gun illegally. Right. So you can go down the street here to Gun and Sport North and you can buy a gun if you pass all the background checks. But if they say no, you can drive another mile down into Lawrence, go to Park and Hampshire Street, and for 50 bucks, you can get any gun you want. And anybody who's well, been... Well, is, is that good? I mean, what, no. what are you... You're no, no, describing no. it, but what are you saying about it? No, I'm saying that by outlawing guns, by yeah. making guns harder for law-abiding citizens to have to protect themselves, they're not stopping the criminals from getting the guns. The criminals just go into Lawrence and buy an illegal gun anyway. And but what you, So it's like drugs. Well, yeah. Whoever wants them will get them. They want to outlaw guns. How did that work for heroin? Hmm. Right? How did that work for cocaine? How did it work for alcohol? It didn't. And the same people who are saying we should legalize all drugs because people are going to get it anyway are the same people saying take away everybody's guns. Wait a minute. Aren't they going to get it anyway? Well, a lot will get it anyway, but prob uh, perhaps a lot less will get it. Right. That's the idea. It's amazing how the Democrats and the left say if we build a wall, people will just come anyway. So why bother building a wall? But if you ban guns, criminals are going to get them anyway, but we should still ban guns. Every single thing that the Democrats say they believe in is direct contradiction to everything else they say they believe in. And I can give you a hundred more examples just off the top of my head. Well, as you know, uh, that I believe that it's, it's, it's an inconsistent ideology because it's, it's it, well, 
I, I don't want to hold back. Paul. I don't want to make any enemy, don't hold back. any more enemies that I may have. Make the enemies. That's why we're but, here. But I think it's a conglomeration of all uh, many of the philosophical errors of the modern age, uh, and it's when somebody's infected with it. I, I really think it's a psychological disease. I, I, Beca- I because it's so contradictory and so non-accepting of reality, mm-hmm. and, and such a desire to change reality and to believe it. All right. It, it's in any other age, it would have been called insanity. Mm-hmm. The lying that goes on in the media, the conditioning and the brainwashing that goes on on CNN and in the media is so over the top and staggering. Just this morning, Wayne LaPierre from the NRA got up and gave a speech and he talked about people who were exploiting the deaths of these children for their political end. I can't remember his first name. I think it's Mike. Mike Berman or Mock Berman, whatever his name is, comes on the minute Wayne LaPierre is, de- is done. And he says to a high school student who was at the shooting, how do you feel about the fact that Wayne LaPierre just said that you guys are exploiting the deaths of your... Now, he didn't say that. He didn't say the kids were exploiting the deaths of, 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 the, of the kids that, mm-hmm. were, that were shot in Florida. He was talking about the political people on CNN, no less, mm. who are out there every single day exploiting the deaths of people, young children, no less, to push their political flipping agenda. But see, Wolf Blitzer and Berman and Jake Tapper and the rest of these clowns on CNN, they don't want to talk about what the real issue is because they're going to look bad. Because they're part of it. They're part of the problem. So they have to take whatever Donald Trump says or whatever Wayne LaPierre says or whatever anybody who doesn't agree with them says, twist it, make it look like they said something totally different than what they said, then have a one-hour panel discussion about it. And this is going to go into what we're going to talk about next. If you could cue up that uh, CNN clip for me, Stu. Just let me know when it's ready. So this morning, Paul, how long have you been my co-host? 11 years? Um, I would say more than that, something like 13, I think. Okay, so for about 13 years, Paul's been my co-host. And for all of that 13 years, I've been saying that the news scripts everything. They script their interviews. They script their panel discussions. They have pre-interviews before all of them. Remember, we did a whole show on the pre-interview stuff, right? Okay, so... Um, I've been saying this, and I, every time I said it on the radio when we were on CAP, every time I've said it here, I get emails from people. You're making that up. You just don't like CNN. Really? I'm making it up? This morning, for the first time in 13 years, we got proof. Go ahead, Stu. I expected to be able to ask my questions and give my opinion on my questions. But Colton Hobb, a member of the junior ROTC who shielded classmates in the midst of terror, says he did not get to share his experience. CNN had originally asked me to write a speech and questions, and it ended up being all scripted. Colton wrote questions about school safety, suggested using veterans as armed school security guards, but claimed CNN wanted him to ask a scripted question instead, so he decided not to go. I don't think that it's going to get anything accomplished. It's not going to ask the true questions that all the parents and teachers and students have. Now, isn't that amazing? And so you can see right now. Now, isn't that amazing? Here's a kid who was at the shooting, who's in ROTC, and he was invited to come, and they said, give us your question, and he wrote a thing. But it it didn't fall in line with the anti-gun agenda of CNN, Mm -hmm. so they killed his question, and they gave him a question. By the way, they didn't say this on here, but you know what the question is that they gave him? Shouldn't we ban guns to save people's lives? That was the question they gave him. Wait, wait, let's slow down for one second. Um... 
He was in the middle of a question. Is that what you're saying? While while he was on on the air, no, they, in, they invited him to come. Yeah, and they wanted each kid that was going to ask a question on yeah. the air to submit the question. Oh, to submit him first. So okay. he submitted his question, gotcha. his his statement and his question, and okay. his statement was that he wanted ROTC and retired right. veterans to to guard the schools. And you know what what did people think about that? That I think would have been a great mm. discussion on CNN, right? Yeah. Instead, the CNN producers told him, oh, no, no, that question doesn't work for us. And they gave him a question that they scripted for him to ask and a statement right. for him to say. And the statement and the question was about banning guns and, and, and not against banning guns, but for banning guns. Listen, when you watch Don Lemon, those clowns that go on. It's all scripted. It's written by a producer. Um, when they're interviewing mm-hmm. people, um, when they had the, uh, uh, the Palestinians were protesting the, uh, the, uh, us moving our embassy to Jerusalem, right. CNN went out and they interviewed a bunch of Palestinians. And thank God there was a guy that was there who hates CNN, who was like there when it was happening, pulled out his phone and videotaped them telling the people what to say when they asked the questions. They were scripting the answers that they wanted the subject they were interviewing to give. Now, this is CNN. Look, if that was NPR, if it was, you know, Channel 5 Boston, you could go, okay, well, maybe it was a rogue producer. But this is CNN, and it happens on every single show. So every time, you you would say that most times that they have interviews with people on CNN that come on the screen rather than in person, they're told by the producer before they come on air, these are the points we want you to cover. Yes. Make sure that you you say them favorably. Yes. And if you don't, you know what happens? What happened to this kid? Right? Mm -hmm. He didn't get on. He didn't get on because he wasn't willing to push the anti-gun narrative that CNN wanted him to say. So they're hiding behind the skirts of little girls. They're hiding behind little boys, little high school kids to push their political agenda and pretending that it's news. It's not news. If this is the case, it should be called CNN Entertainment. I agree. It shouldn't be called CNN. Right. I totally (laughs) agree. CNE, I guess. Cable, no, C-E-N. Whatever it is, they should just stop calling themselves news. I'd be okay with that. But they pretend that they're hard news, and then they come up with, this is an apple. No no matter what anybody tells you, it's still because facts matter. Well, really, on what channel? Because not on this channel. Such projection. And they have to keep saying, such projection. CNN. What what is it? CNN, the most trusted name in news. They have to keep saying it over and over again so they'll believe it. That's All right, you, you, want, you want to change subjects or no? Uh, real quick, and then we're going right. to have Phil of the Future come up here. He's uh, patiently waiting. He's not Phil of the present yet? Not yet, no. Okay, I'm just wondering when that happens. He's um, got a bright future, that kid. I've got a, I, I, all kidding aside, yes. I've got a lot of hopes for him. I think he's going to go far. <laughs> okay. Um, pop culture is in the midst of a Me Too movement. Yes. Oh, we could do an hour on this. You want to do a whole hour on this someday? Yes. I could do a whole, I do, I could do a the, whole hour on this. There's a whole too. lot to say about yeah, it, uh, but this is just one tiny thing, and that right. is it's interesting how the uh, one of the one of the highlights, I suppose you could say, of pop culture is what happens at the Super Bowl, particularly what happens at halftime. Yes? Okay, sure. All right. So That's in the football, mi- right? In the Super Bowl? Yeah, okay. absolutely. So sure. in the midst of this Me Too movement, they hire Justin Timberlake, who's been on before. Uh, we, we remember the infamous, um, uh, what was it, uh, wardrobe malfunction with yes. Janet uh, Jackson. He was dancing with her. Which was wonderful. And um, he comes on and he sings these songs called Rock Your Body, uh, Can't Stop the Feeling, Sexy Back. Now, I was probably talking about Me. women's uh, rear oh, okay. ends, I All would right. imagine. Uh, and Filth. Now, 
Is this not a contradiction here about, here you come on the biggest highlighted stage in the, in the world to pipe into the world's songs about using women and, you know, seeing them as objects, and this is supposed to be cool? I mean, where is the consistency in pop culture? There's I guess that's the general question. Listen, pop culture has gone the way of politics. Everything these snot-nosed idiots in Hollywood say they believe in, they don't really believe in it. Um, for example, you know... Then, then you, it's hypocritical. It's totally yeah. hypocritical, but they don't care that it's hypocritical. They're making money on it, and that's all they care. They peddle smut to our kids. They peddle sex to our kids. They peddle violence to our kids. But don't smoke in a movie because movies are very influential. So whenever you say to a liberal, geez, there's too much violence in that movie, it's geared to a kid. Ah, oh, it's just a movie. Then, okay, well, geez, um, I guess it's okay that the lead character, the hero in that movie, smokes five packs of cigarettes a day. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. You don't want to influence kids in a bad way. Again, right. you can't square both of those positions. They're two opposite opinions. You can't hold both. You can't. And you get guys like Meathead who go out there was was railing against cigarettes in movies for about five meathead? years. Yeah, Meathead. Uh, from from All in the Family? Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner. Yes. So Rob Reiner is out there, and he, he was spearheading this he, thing about not having cigarettes in movies, not he, having heroes in movies yeah. have cigarettes. He was on, did you see him on Tucker Carlson was, the other yeah, night? Yeah, that was great. Okay. That, that was, was awesome. That was, that was fun. Tucker's the best show on TV, by the way. Yeah. It's one of the few shows on Fox I watch. Um, but, but here he is. He's out there, and he's promoting and trying to get all the movie studios to agree not to have the heroes in their movies smoking cigarettes. Yes. Right? And at the same time, they're peddling sex to our kids. They're peddling violence to our kids. You've got uh, guys with M M M80s walking into a mall and shooting people up. You've got Rambo. Well, you get all these <laughs> movies that they're promoting. Right, and, and they're and against guns, by the way. And they're against guns, yeah. but they're glorifying. Yeah. And by the way, these are the same people no. who are developing these video games where you get points for raping women and shooting people with automatic weapons. Yeah. But we should blame the gun. Utterly inconsistent. Totally. From beginning to end. Yep. And I think you probably hit it on the head. A lot of it has to do with how do we make money and look honorable at the same time. Right. And yeah. while we peddle this nonsense and they to cry, make money. They cry about women being treated as sexual objects. But think about this for a minute. I bet you this is something nobody's ever thought of. On the front page of Playboy magazine, what do you have? You have a scantily clad woman who looks very sexy being objectified. Right? Yeah. You say, okay, well, let's get toward men. How about Cosmo? Ever see the cover of Cosmo? Yeah. Scantily clad woman showing all kinds of cleavage, sexually objectifying herself on the front cover of Cosmo. Cosmo is marketed to teenage girls. That's what it's marketed to. Vogue magazine, Red magazine, every single woman's magazine you can find at CVS. If it's a woman's magazine, it's got sex on the front cover. Yeah. Yet, don't objectify women because that's wrong. That's right. Well, you know what? You can't, again... Stop blaming men, stop blaming the culture, stop blaming the schools, stop blaming guns, stop blaming uh, you know, men's sexual desires, stop blaming yourself for being part of the problem. No question. And this is just, I'll just say this because it's a, it's a conversation for a whole show. Um, and that is, the, um, there's, there, the movement seems to be saying, on, um, it's... it's it's contradictory, but it's saying that we should respect the consent of women. The consent of women, right? Okay. That's, that seems to be what the, the heart of the problem is right. here. If, uh, if somebody pushes themselves on women, uh, this is, this is um, uh, assaults, and, um, and this is morally wrong. You see, when I was growing up, it was called flirting, but uh, yeah. go ahead. Um, it seems to me 
that if we're going to respect women, you should respect the whole woman, not just her consents. So either we live in a culture that pushes respect for women, or we live in a culture that pushes respect only for her consent, and when she consents, we can abuse her as much as we want. And um, it's just that in and of itself is a very, very deep contradiction. In my mind. I think it's funny when you watch all these award ceremonies. Yeah. Um, I forget what the last one was. I don't really watch them. I just kind of flip through and, 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 and watch for like a couple seconds and mm. I move on. Um, but you've got, all these, you've got all these women who are wearing black at the last uh, whatever, whatever award ceremony it was um, to stand with the women who have been victims of objectification and sexual harassment. And then they show these women walking the red carpet and they look naked. Virtually. Their boobs are hanging out. Their ass is hanging out. Virtually, uh, They're yeah. flirting. They're playing with their hair. They're making themselves sexual objects while they're saying sexually objectifying women is just awful. Mm-hmm. It's just awful. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's utterly nonsensical, and we have to start from the beginning again. Yep, I agree. Because the sexual revolution made us very, very stupid and unreasonable. I agree. Even though I benefited from it greatly. All right, let's take a quick break, and uh, we're going to have Phil of the future up here. I've got a couple more topics. Maybe we maybe we'll rope him in after we talk about some of the local stuff to talk about some. Of, he's he's a li- big liberal, you know, so he'll probably disagree with everything we say, and that'll make it fun. He's running for re-election too. I hope he gets re-elected. Did I just say that? I said it. He's a good guy. I got to sign up in my window for him. Who would have ever thought I'd be supporting Phil of the future? Who knew? You never know what's going to happen on Paying Attention Radio Program. Back after this on Paying Attention. This is Speaker Newt Gingrich, and I'm listening to Paying Attention with Tom Duggan. in the Valley Patriot newspaper. Why? Because it really works. But don't take our word for it. Just ask our advertisers. They'll tell you advertising in the Valley Patriot newspaper really works. Hey gang, this is the Money Man. Anybody wish the party? Right here with my good buddy Chop Dugan. Where else? Yow!
let's get back to your host on Paying Attention. Here he is once again, Tom Duggan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold down your applause. Phil's not here yet. We'll have to kill a little bit of time. We'll figure it out. All right, I'm back with my uh, co-host, Paul. We're waiting on Phil DeCollegero, Phil the Future. I wanted Phil to come on, Paul, uh, for a couple of reasons. He is running for re-election, and I wanted him to talk about that a little bit and, uh, you know, get a, give him a little free. What is he uh, running for? He's a member of the North Andover Board of Selectmen. Okay. And it's a three-year term, and it's staggered terms. So only um, well, sometime, some, some years one person comes up for re-election, some years two people come up, but there's a five-member board. Come on up. We're already on uh, the air. You should go into the bathroom before you got here, Phil. <laughs> Um, it's all right. It's not like it's not like he's done this before, right? So, so we wanted we wanted Phil to come on. No, he's running for re-election. We want to talk a little bit about like North Andover stuff, but he's also a member of uh, a great nonprofit organization called the North Andover Merchants Association, and they have a big event coming up, and it's actually the night after my event, and I'm actually going to go even if, even if I haven't had any sleep, I'm going to go. Um, and they do a lot for the downtown North Andover area. They do a lot for North Andover in general. And he's also involved in a bunch of other stuff, so we thought we'd have him come on and chat with us about some things. Phil, thank you for joining us. See, this is new for me. Yeah, I mean, I've never been on this show before. I've never been on camera with you. Really? No. Right. I mean, we've always been wow. on radio, so right, I've never radio. had to prepare ahead of this time. This is what they look like, ladies this and gentlemen. Is, exactly. So right? what do you, but first, before we start, what do you think of the new, the new digs? Much better than CAP, right? I think it's neat. I mean, I, I, I assume this place doesn't smell like Tom. You just happen to smell like this place. That's right, yes. <laughs> I pulled up, and I was like, huh, it smells like Tom's apartment on the outside. So I guess that's... <laughs> <laughs> um, so clearly, you're not the only one that smokes, I guess, anymore. So. No, uh, no. Well, we're upstairs from Two Guys Smoke Shop no, here at all. Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. And I definitely want to thank our sponsors, uh, Century 21, Teams and Gallus, uh, Twin Lights Security, uh, an investigation to make sure you give them a call if you if you need security for any kind of an event or an investigation. EIS investigations, and I want to give a free plug to DNA paternity testing in Lawrence. That's got to be a tough job. I mean, if you're doing DNA paternity testing in Lawrence, you're a very busy person. And she's been advertising with us for a little while, and her ads ran out last month. And I'm not sure whether she's coming back or not, but I wanted to give her a free plug because I don't, I don't know whether she got any calls out of her ad, and I want to just make sure that she gets some. So if, you, if you're not sure who the baby daddy is, call DNA paternity testing in Lawrence. They're over, I think they're on Ame Street. Uh, or maybe self-Broadway now. And, uh, but give them a call. DNA paternity testing. Google them. It'll come up. And uh, then you'll find out who the baby daddy is. You'll thank me later. You get that child support payment. That's if DOR sounds wants like to pay uh, you. Sounds like the Maury show, doesn't it? Right, yeah. We Maury could do a whole, a whole Maury Povich show. Yeah. Right? Phil is already uncomfortable. This is going to be a great interview. This is awesome. So why don't you start off with, like, tell people who you are, what you do, and then we'll start asking mm-hmm. you questions about stuff. So I think I walked in on you introducing me as um, I'm wrapping up my third year on the Board of Selectmen in North Andover. I currently serve as chairman of the board. Your first term? Yes. We do three-year terms. So I think when I walked in, you were explaining that there's a five-member board, and we stagger our terms so that one year there's two seats, one year there's two seats, and then the final year there's one One seat. seat. So we stagger things so that there's never just a complete turnover. not like what you see other communities around us. Sometimes everyone's up all at once, and so then everybody who comes in, there are instances where everyone is brand new. Mm-hmm. So it allows what for a little bit more institutional. What does a selectman do for, oh, a, town, for a town like North is Andover or North Andover? North Andover. North, North Andover. Andover and Andover have the same form of government. And so it's funny. Yeah. I, I, just for the sake of explanation, I always kind of describe it to people who are more familiar with cities as it's like the city council, but it's not. Yeah. Um, so the board of selectmen is the executive branch 
of town government. Well, the town meeting, mm. and I'm sure we'll talk about town meeting at some point this afternoon, but town meeting serves as the legislative branch. So is there a the chairman of the board? There is. That's in, right. in North Andover's case. That is me. Yeah. Um, oh. But so that the way that works is that you have the board of selectmen, which actually acts as almost the board of directors. They hire a professional manager in the case of North Andover mm. to manage the day-to-day -day operation of the town. And, you know, for a lot of us on the board, it's um, prioritizing, as a, a great example is our budget and policy statement really maps out everything that we as a board want to see done in the next, you know, one to five years and be actually and beyond. And so um, it's prioritizing expenses, which we then present to town meeting, town meeting being the legislative mm -hmm. body, like, again, the city council and the city form of government approves that budget. Um, they can make amendments to it by, by reducing, not expanding upon, but reducing. Um, for me as a selectman, when I got elected, I really wanted to see us do something about, it's funny, we were talking about mental health before, I guess you, you two were talking about mental health. Um, I really wanted to see us do something more with mental health, specifically regarding addiction. Um, so much of, of the root of addiction is related to mental health um, issues and people self-medicating. And so one of the things that's exciting this year is we've included in our budget a, a mental health program that mirrors what they've done successfully in Andover, where we do, by the way, have metrics to compare it against. I know that you said before people like to spend money without showing results. In mm -hmm. the case of Andover, they showed results. And so that's why there's a little bit of intrigue on my part. So I'd like to see that in, in my next three years, get that program implemented. Hopefully it's approved by town meeting this May. Um, Town meeting, so, town, can, if I could just stop. Town meeting is the most pure form of democracy in America. Your city mm. council is like in Lawrence Haverlow, you go to city council. They basically make the policy decisions for the, for the town. They make the spending decisions for the town. Mm. But at town meeting, and under this form of government, any voter can show up at the high school at town meeting and make an amendment and say, no, I want to take $10,000 out of the budget and hire a school resource officer. Or I want to take $15,000 out of the budget and pave High Street. And if enough of your fellow... Or, Tom, and I want to interrupt, we've had people come and say that they wanted to see us spend billion, with a B, billions of dollars if we don't do X or don't do Y. Right. Of course, the town meeting fortunately showed better judgment than that and rejected mm -hmm. such proposals. Mm -hmm. But any, the point being... It's a pure form of democracy where it anybody is. can approach the podium and say, I want to do X or I want right. to do Y. Come up with their own ideas. Which is very different from a city council form of government because if I have a proposal before the Lawrence City Council, I have to submit it to the council president. He can just decide not to put it on the agenda if he doesn't want to discuss it and doesn't want to have it happen. If he puts it on the agenda, it's up to the people who are elected, the elites, the insiders, to wheel and deal amongst themselves and vote yes or no on it. And you have no say about, well, geez, can we add an amendment for this or for mm -hmm. that? But in town meeting government, it's the actual people. It goes back to like the Constitutional Convention, right? The actual people show up and say, no, I've got an idea. And if, and if their fellow citizens say that's a great idea, then they do it. And then the Board of Selectmen's job is to implement that right. and, and to do what the people tell them to do. So I, when I moved to North Andover and I went to my first town meeting, I was in heaven. I mean, as a First Amendment guy, this is like, this is the best. Anybody can speak on any topic that they want that has to do with the budget or what's on the, or what's on the town warrant. And, uh, and, and if we had more of that in America, I think we'd be better off. All politics is local, right, as uh, Tip O'Neill once mm -hmm. said? It is. It's, I mean, it's, it's messy. I mean, certainly you have to be somebody who's willing it's to go and sit it's through. It's contentious. But, it's, I mean, that's government at any level can be contentious. I think that it's, it's messy because I think there are, there are people who like to go and participate, like the idea of it, and then they go there and they listen to the debate and... Not everybody wants to hear a debate on every single right, issue. Right, right. Um, 
Well, yeah, you've got some people that want to talk about every single issue, right? And for 20 minutes each. And some people are there because they want to mm-hmm. talk about their issue or they want to listen to their issue right. but don't really want to talk about or listen to other issues. And not because they're stubborn. It's just it's a reminder that the, the act of governing, the job of governing, is not something that's done just in a ballot box. Or excuse me, just in a ballot booth. So... It's pretty neat. I think you see about, you know, even on our worst years, you see about 300 to 400 people participating, mm-hmm. which I said this yesterday. I was talking to one of our colleagues, and it's great because it's a feeder system, you know, for people who want to get involved in the community in any way that they can. Um, and it's not, there aren't obstacles to that. If you want to get involved in North Andover's town government, you show up to a town meeting. You, right. you don't have, some communities have representative town meeting. You have to be elected from your precinct right. or your ward. Right. I don't know if yeah, that bastardizes democracy, if you ask me. Well, it creates another layer in between government and people. I like the way North Andover does it. North Andover, I think it's, I think it's the best form of government in the country. And now I realize you can't do that in cities sometimes, right? Get you know, yeah. thousands and thousands right. and thousands of people. Um, but it works good. It works for a town like North Andover. And I, I'm, I'm uh, every even when I'm on the losing side, like the marijuana debate. I drove home from that marijuana debate uh, last month, and and felt really good that even though the town didn't do the way I think they should have done it, that the people spoke mm. and that their voices were heard, and that was the end of it. Like, there's not going to be any more. Like, we discussed it. We debated it. It was contentious. People yelled at each other. They accused each other of all kinds of stuff. Then there's a vote, and then everyone goes home, and it's, and it's done. City council form of government, they can bring it back as many times as they want until they can get the result that they're looking for. I think what you saw, I mean, the, the part of the reason why you drove home and you probably felt really good, even though, like you... We, we, agree, we agreed on this issue and I, you know, we ended up losing. I think the fact that it was run as flawlessly as it was, yeah. I mean, when you have 3,000 people in a room and they're split pretty evenly about a position that, or about an issue that both sides feel very strongly about their position. A lot of passion in that room. Mm. There was, but it, I have to give a lot of credit to our town moderator, Mark DeSalvo. He He's amazing. Sure, I mean, it, to, to manage 3,000 people. Is that an average uh, town meeting population, 3,000? No. Okay. no. Actually, I think, I, 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 think that I, I think that's extraordinary. So we had, I'm going to dig back. Mm-hmm. So I think our largest town meeting in history was in 2006, and we had a very contentious summer town meeting in the mm-hmm. high school where about 3,000 people was there flooded a topic in, and it was about whether or not we were going to have trash fees. Um, oh. It was my first town meeting. I think I was 19. Um, there was overflow. We were going into the auditorium. People were in the cafeteria. I mean, it was mm. wild. And people didn't necessarily treat each other with respect. I mean, you always have people who feel feel offended. I mean, you yes. had people who were really quite rude to each other. And I think it left a lot of people with a bitter taste towards town meeting or bitter bitter sense. Um, no, I don't know if you attended that one, Tom. That you did. were living in town at the you time. You weren't the chairman at the time, I would imagine. So <laughs> I wasn't. What, is the chairman the person that's supposed to say, you're, you're acting crazy? Let's No, um, so... So we elect a moderator, um, North Andover, and that's, that's happening this year. So part of North Andover's town government is you elect selectmen, you elect school committee members, you yeah. elect representatives to the Greater Lawrence Tech School Committee, you elect a representative each year to the, the housing authority that manages our local housing. You also elect a moderator for a three-year term, and that person's job. He's the one, okay. He or she. No, uh, or she, yeah. Sheila Doherty is the, the moderator in Andover, um, again, for for listeners in Andover, it's the same same deal in both communities. You elect a moderator. That person's job is to run the town meeting and help, mm. well, to act as right. moderator. I mean, for those who talk too much, you have to, you know, cut them off a little bit, perhaps. For those who get a little too emotional, you have to calm them down. Stop those personal uh, attacks. Stop, stop the people, personal you know, attacks, right. Important it, job <laughs> for a meeting like that. It is. I mean, yeah. in that setting, I mean, you really, there was a lot of emotion leading into it. I mean, there was a lot of, deba- a lot of debate on Facebook. Mm. And I think that there was some threads on Facebook where people 
you know, read it and just felt so disgusted by the whole discussion um, that I think a lot of people were nervous about how town meeting would go when people got right. in front of a microphone and got in front of the crowd and, you know, there's, there's applause for whatever side you're on or booing. I mean, we were just, there was that concern because it can reflect really poorly on a community. And I think that this, again, I just, I, it's, I, it's good, um, good media though. You think it's like a presidential debate, you know, you say, say something good and half the place Claps right. and the other boos and <laughs> it does kind of become like Maury yeah. Povich after a while. I heard it was on at Jamie's that night, so apparently yeah. it was enough. It was enough of a um, there was enough intrigue about town meeting that they mm. decided it was worthwhile putting on um, the flat screen TVs at at the uh, bars around town. So I can say that, um, and a lot of people are going to be surprised to hear me say this, but I just believe in giving credit where credit is due. Um, I think Mark DeSalvo was doing an awesome job as the town moderator. I know he's left wing. I know he's in with the Democrat Why? Party. Why do you I say it that, that way? Well, because I, I've n before he became town moderator, we all knew Mark DeSalvo as the inside Democrat who was always trying to recruit Democrats and push liberal ideas on the town. And that's true. Um, and when he, when he was running for moderator, all those of us who were on the other side of the political f end of that were worried about him using the position as moderator to push his liberal Democrat uh, ideas on the town. And we just wanted a moderator to moderate the meetings. He proved us wrong. He got up there at meeting after meeting after meeting at town meeting and ran right down the middle, was very fair to both sides, even sides that he, we know he didn't agree with. He's an extremely fair individual, and I don't think he gets portrayed that way by the people who disagree with his politics. I was one of them. And that's why, that's why it's like Nixon, only Nixon can go to China. That's why I'm the one that I, I want to say it. I want to be the one to say it, because I was one of the people that campaigned against him when he ran. I campaigned for Dr. McMillan. I thought Dr. McMillan would have been a great moderator. But Mark DeSalvo has surprised me. And there isn't half the shenanigans that people thought were going to happen. The only thing that I would add, and I don't think it's a deficiency on Mark's part, I think it's just something that nobody's thought of. And that's that my biggest problem with the last town meeting in North Andover, they were arguing over the marijuana facility, and people were off, they were off message. You had a doctor got up there and showed brain scans of what marijuana does to a teenager's brain. We're not discussing that. We're not discussing whether marijuana should be legal or not. We're discussing whether or not we should have this facility in North Andover. And I would like to see the town moderator, whether it's Mark or anyone else, try and keep people more focused on what the issue is. Because that meeting didn't have to be three hours. It could have been an hour and a half. Because you had people getting up there talking about the evils of marijuana. Well, if we were debating making it legal, fine. But we, that, we lost that fight, right? I voted against making marijuana legal. We, that fight is over. That was on the ballot. The voters chose. It's legal. Why are you making an argument about something that's not before us? And because it's marijuana-related, they got away with it. But I'd like to see the town moderator at least be a little bit more tough. If you're going to talk about an after-school program, you know, I don't want parents getting up and talking about special needs. I want them to talk about the damn after-school program. That's my that's my only suggestion, and 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 I know a, that a constructive criticism that you made, but but in fairness, that was a pretty unique topic. I it mean, was, we, you know, marijuana is not a topic that gets debated, right. although it feels like it does every year at our town meeting. The reality is, it's it's a new issue, yep. and we were debating whether we were going to have a bylaw limiting or prohibiting it. Period. I mean, right. this was our first time we were developing a whole new bylaw for an issue that up until very recently was illegal, anyways. Um, I think the uniqueness of the topic is why the debate went the way that it did, but I agree with you. I think that the way he runs a town meeting is efficient. I mean, I think it makes it enjoyable to sit through. I think if you're somebody, I mean, 
a loosely used term. I think there are some people who just don't like sitting through town meeting, period, but mm -hmm. do it because it's their civic duty. Um, but he certainly makes it easy. If you're a first-time participant, it makes it, he makes it easy for you to go there, understand what's happening, and I think it's less intimidating. Right. To approach that microphone. He's also he's also implemented measures when he first became town moderator three years ago. He implemented six. measures. I'm sorry, six, six already. Yep. Uh, wow, um, boy, I feel old. Uh, he also implemented measures when he became town moderator to make it more open for people who couldn't physically attend. So if you wanted to email a question during town meeting, you could email a question in, and, and he would look at it. And if it was relevant, he would get up to the microphone and say, on behalf of Paul Morano, who asked this question, uh, he wants to know how does the finance committee feel about this issue? So it's live on and cable then, TV, right? Right, okay. yeah. So right. people can watch it online, they can watch it on TV, but they can also email in their questions. You know, there are a lot of people in North Andover that work second shift, can't go to town meeting, hmm. but maybe they, they have questions about things. Maybe they, you know, they, they want a certain point to be made. And he opened that up, and uh, I certainly don't ever want to see anybody voting electronically for town meeting. I, I want people present if they're going to vote so we can make sure you're who you are, who you say you are. Uh, but having more participation, I think, is always good. Having more voices, I think, is always good. And Mark did that. So that's your favorite thing that he did? Yeah, so that's far. I would have I guessed your favorite thing, and I, I was surprised to know that this wasn't required, which is that if you approach the microphone and you have a financial interest in an article, you have to disclose that now. Oh, good. Um, and that's something I'll, that— I'll allow the Wendy Wakeman debacle. Uh, yeah, with the historical commission. Oh. All right. Um, <laughs> I— I Anyway, so at least with Mr. DeSalvo, um, when it comes to North Andover Town Meeting, Sorry. when it comes to the North Andover Town Meeting and you approach the microphone, you have to say if the article that's before you is something that's going to financially benefit, or you will, you are an immediate family mm -hmm. member, will personally benefit from financially. It's something that I, I don't think I really ever thought of it. I mean, again, you're talking over six years ago that he became, well, six years ago that he became moderator. But it was something that I think other town moderators across the state took and said, okay, we're going to run with this because you do have, I mean, I think of this particular issue that popped up. You had town residents that wanted to make a change. They felt passionate. They felt like it was something that should happen in North Andover. And there were people who did have financial interest, which sure. there's nothing wrong with that, but it is important because it, it helps, I think, people digest whatever the argument is. It gives people a full picture of why people are objecting or are, are being in favor of something, right? Sure. I mean, it just allows you to make, you know, right? Everybody reacts differently. We're going to have, I'm sure, many more discussions. Um, there's one other thing that Mark, and I think Mark did it. If he didn't, then you can give the credit to whoever the other person is that did it. But for the first time this year, I showed up at town meeting and they asked me for an ID. They said, you have to give me an ID. There was no have to give an ID. It was in order to expedite Registering, you could provide your ID. I believe the way that it worked was that you could provide your ID, and it would allow people to just enter it into a poll pad, so that way it was about efficiency. Um, you didn't have to have an ID. Uh, to I attend. was told that I had to, and when he first asked well, for my ID, problem. I got mad because my first reaction was, I've been coming here for 15 years. I've never been asked for an ID. What do you mean an ID? You did not have to show And then ID. it snapped in my head, and I went, oh, this is a good thing. We should have ID, because we don't want people from Lawrence yeah. or Methuen coming into North Andover at yeah, all, right? That would be my, my question. How do you know that the people that are going to town meeting are from that town? How are you sure of that? So you have to go and check in at the registration booth the same way that you would go and pull a ballot. You do. You okay. go in, and then they let you in. And in this case, because of the size, the scope of this meeting was so yeah. large that after you registered, you were given... Um, you know, when you go to a carnival and you get the all-day pass, they put a band on your arm that's yes. waterproof. Um, basically, they put those bands on your arm. It's not basically it was. They put a band on your arm, and so you had to have it, I think, on your left hand, and that was the hand you had to vote okay. with. Okay. So that way, the tellers, because we had, I believe, 60, I think we had 60 volunteers counting. I mean, we had 
20, I think the, uh, the final number was about 2,600 people voting. And so there were folks in every section having to count. And there were two, I should say, there were, I think, two people in every section counting the votes. And then they'd have to make sure that, you know, <laughs> each one got the same number. Um, but yeah, it was pretty tightly policed to make sure that you it's didn't just very, have random it's people It's very efficient. In. It's very efficient. But it you think that people might come into these town meetings saying there's somebody from the town that they're not? Is that is that why you want an ID? Well, Tom? yeah. Yeah. And All you right. have people who are non-voters, right? Yeah. So let's say let's say no one knows who Tom Duggan is. I'm just a guy yeah. who lives in North Andover. I'm not a public person, right? Um, I know my friend Alan Knowles isn't, isn't going to show up. Right, but I'm not a registered voter, but he is. I can go in and say, uh, oh, yeah, Alan Knowles. Mm. They cross me off the list. They hand me my thing, and I can vote. Well, I'm not a registered voter. I shouldn't be voting. Think that happens often enough to... Uh Probably not in North Andover, but yeah. why have the mechanism that would allow it? Because somewhere down the road, we're going to have a contentious issue that right. does affect another town, right. and people are going to be busting people in, you and then we know. have no, no way to stop it. We have no way, unless we, unless we know a person and we catch them yeah. doing it, there's no way to stop it. It would be like Lawrence voting. So in our 400-year history, because that's another thing, what, 370 years? Maybe we will have a contentious issue that impacts people. I'm sure we already have that impacts people in other communities. Like once I mean, every I, 10 years, right? We have, like, a big issue. We had, like, the override sure issue you, 10 I'm years ago. We had the marijuana issue this year. I well, big issues that impact, impact us. I mean, I guess it could be argued. It depends. You know, it could be argued that the marijuana issue actually impacted people in Haverhill. I mean, I would <laughs> let's put it this way. There are people in North Andover who were very passionately opposed and I chuckled, not because I, I, well, I certainly disagreed with them, but not because I, I didn't take their argument seriously, but I chuckled because if you actually took um, a line from the Osgood property and drew a, you know, a, a perimeter around it, every single person living in the city of Lawrence lived closer to the Osgood property than a significant chunk of North Andover did. Right. And so it was funny because you had a lot of people who said, you know, this is really going to hurt our brand. Um, I didn't believe that was the case. Um, I think Rosemary Smedili... I can't believe I'm saying this again. People are going to drive off the road twice today. I think she's the only one that brought up a good point on the other side when she talked about the brand. She said, you know, North Andover's brand is sheep sharing, helping veterans, Veterans Day, Memorial Day. That's what we're known for. We don't want to be known as the place where the pot farm is. We don't want to be North Andover. Well, that, that's where they grow marijuana. I think it was at least a valid concern. I don't think it was valid enough to stop the project, but I think she at least brought a valid concern. Everyone else that spoke was just lying. Everyone else that spoke was really against marijuana being legal, and that's what they were arguing against. They weren't saying anything valid that this project would do that would hurt the town. They were saying, it's bad for kids. It's going to be a drive-up window. They're going to take all the, all the water out of Lake Chickawick. And none of those were true. None of those was true. And they were only lying because they were too embarrassed to admit that their real position was that they're against marijuana, and that's, a, that's an illogical, irrational position since it's already legal. I, I mean, lying is a strong word because I don't think that everyone was lying. I don't think actually, I, I, I don't think that there was necessarily conscious lying on anybody's part. I think everybody, proponents and opponents alike, approached those microphones and wanted to tell their story um, and wanted to say why they were in favor or against the project. And I, and think, I, I, think, I think where the lie comes, Paul, hopefully you'll agree with me on this. If you get up at a microphone and you say, my objection is X, Y, and Z, but your real objection is A, B, and C, yes, that's a lie. And what if their objection is A, B, C, X, Y, and Z? Well, that's, that's, that's actually what I was going to say. For example, if Paul's you, always got to go that way. If you, um, you what, agree with me? No, that's not. <laughs> you're, you're, you're saying these people don't want marijuana legalized. Right. Uh, therefore, they don't want this project. Right. Uh, I think the X, Y, the, uh, the all six of them that, that uh, Phil just mentioned could be something like, um, 
for, uh, to use another example, if you don't like the idea of strip clubs and you know that they're legal, that doesn't mean that you want them in your town. Right. So you don't like the idea and I don't want them in my town. I'm, I'm not saying it shouldn't necessarily be illegal you right. know, that night. To me, it was more like someone showing up at town meeting and voting against a liquor license for a liquor store on Main Street because they don't think alcohol should be legal. But they don't say that at town meeting. They get up and they say, alcohol is bad. It hurts children. It's gonna, this, this liquor store is going to hurt the neighborhood. Uh, you're going to have bums hanging around outside of it. People are going to be bumming cigarettes off you. It's going to cause a problem. When they don't really think those are the objections at all, they really just don't want alcohol to be legal. They don't like that alcohol is legal, so they're opposing it. And they're going to make up excuses to be against it that well, sound more rational than their real well, reason. You know, what, you know what needs to happen then? They need to have a moderator like you who can see through people's questions. Read their minds. Read their minds right. and say, are you saying this because you really don't like X, Y, and Z? Or you know, just clarify their, their own minds for them. I, I think the job, though, of, that's, that's the job of the voter. When you're sitting mm -hmm. there, you have to listen to the argument, and you have to decide, is this something that matters to me? I mean, everything that Tom's saying right now is an observation he made as a North Andover resident, and every resident had the ability to make those observations if they were at town meeting, and if they wanted to come to your conclusion, they could. I didn't necessarily come to that. I mean, I think that there was a lot of fear. I think that there are people who think of marijuana in a very different way than other people do. I mean, I I have to say, so when I, it's I did... It's generational too, right? I don't... No, I have to say, I don't think it's generational. Really? I knocked on doors, and it's really funny. I knocked on a door of one of my... <laughs> of a former second grade teacher of mine, um, a really amazing woman, and it was funny. She goes, oh, Phil, I'm glad you came by. You know, I just got back from Foxwood. <laughs> and I laughed because, of course, what's the next topic of conversation? Well, what do you think of town meeting in two weeks that's coming up? And um, I found myself talking to my second grade teacher about how we both agreed that this would be a good site for our town. And um, I don't think it's, I talked to a retired firefighter who said the same thing. He was a little bit um, uh, <laughs> more direct about, you know, heck yeah, we should do it. Um, but then I spoke to people that I went to school with, that I graduated high school with, who were like, oh, do you think I should go to town meeting? And I said, oh, I think anybody should go to town meeting. Well, do you think it's going to pass? And I said, well, I hope it does. Oh, then I better go because I don't want it to happen. And I'm like, this is funny because I speak, you know, again, I'm speaking to a, you know, my former second grade teacher who's long since retired and she's in favor of it and I'm speaking to peers, our contemporaries that, that aren't. And I think it, it was just an interesting discussion. Um, I think one of the most, for me, one of the arguments that a, an opponent made was, you know, how will you tell your kids not to do this? And I said, well, how do you tell your kids when, you know, you have a glass of wine with your, your wife? Mm -hmm. What do you tell them about not drinking? You know, they shouldn't drink before they're 21. That's the law. And I think that the same thing could be said about, about marijuana. Um, Ultimately, I mean, we had the debate. We actually had the debate twice, Paul. So we had this debate at mm -hmm. town meeting in May, um, and there was a feeling um, quite a few people who spoke against it said that they didn't have enough time to review it. Okay. Um, it was a little bit rushed last year. I felt comfortable giving the green light to it last year. I, the majority of the Board of Selectmen did. Of course, the, actually 58% of town meeting also did um, last May, but they needed to have two-thirds of the vote, and so it failed. And we were able, fortunately, to have a second bite at the apple, and that's, that's kind of what this second town meeting was. Um, clearly, the group of people that gathered this past January didn't feel like we should pass it. And so that's the legislative body got together. They spoke. Any voter that wanted to go could have, and they said no to it. It's too bad. I wish. I think we both agree. We wish it didn't happen. But like you said, it's... I voted against making marijuana legal. I think Massachusetts finally did something right. They decriminalized it. So cops can still go after dealers if they're selling to kids, if there's, you know, they're doing bad stuff. But, they, but they're not, but they weren't being hand by arresting people for possession of marijuana 
clogging up the courts, clogging up the, the, the prison system. I don't know anybody who's ever robbed a bank on marijuana. I know people robbed banks on cocaine and meth and heroin and other stuff, but I've never heard of a guy robbing a bank or beating his wife or committing any kind of violence on marijuana. It usually has the opposite effect. It makes people much more sedate. Um, well, it is legal in Massachusetts now, and it's not legal in North Andover. So right. we passed a bylaw that prohibits the cultivation and sale of recreational marijuana, and the public has spoken. So right. Before we wrap up with Phil, Phil of the future, Phil DiColagero, selectman from North Andover. You also wear another hat, and that is the North Andover Merchants Association. You've got yep. a big benefit coming up, and I want to give you an opportunity to talk about North Andover Merchants Association and talk about your event. So I cannot claim credit for this event. This event is really the brainchild of Sylvie Folds. Um, her and her sister own Kids Carousel on Chickering Road. It's a, a resale shop. So Sylvie is a former president of NAMA. Um, NAMA I, I love her. I don't think she likes me, but I love her. I <laughs> Uh, no, I, I would bet that you guys probably agree more politically than she and I do. Um, but she is she doesn't even live in North Andover, and she is probably the MVP of town. Um, she actually her, her husband is one of the police lieutenants in, in North Andover. But so anyways, um, so we have in, in the North Andover Merchants Association, it's a business organization in town that is made up of business owners, basically just try to make the town better in general, but also better for the business community. And so this year, I think, is the sixth or seventh annual um, Night of Honor Gala. Um, it's an event that started a few years after we formed. I think 2012 was our first year, so do the math, that, uh, that we had the event. Um, we honor local businesses. We honor those businesses that are celebrating milestones, five years, 10 years. Um, I think Rolf celebrated 65 years wow. last year. Wow. Um, I know that we've celebrated small, I think Small X celebrated either 90 or 100. Um, but anyway, so we tend to honor um, those businesses, we also recognize a merchant of the year. This year, it's Lisa Williams from AFC Urgent Care. That's on, awesome. On I love Lisa Williams and AFC Urgent Care, formerly Doctors Express. Her and her husband are wonderful people. I don't think people realize what they do behind the scenes for local nonprofits, for charities, when they find out just a regular citizen in town has a problem. Lisa, like, will go help them. And never, like, calls me and says, hey, Tom, can you write a story about, you know, how we just helped this guy? I'll actually hear from the people that they helped. They'll call me and say, hey, you know, I, I know you know that girl, Lisa, from AFC. You're not going to believe what she just did. And they'll call me and they'll tell me. And it's like, wow, like, these are people that are just out in the community doing stuff to help people and really are not interested in getting any credit out for it at all. Tom and Lisa are great. Yeah. Um, so that's not... The only reason you get recognized, a merchant of the year gets recognized because all around they just represent what it means to be a really great business owner, right. the type of business owner that you'd love to have in your community. Um, our first year, I think it was Terry Holland from Stachy's. We did Ed and Linda Petty from Ed Petty Photography. We did Jamie's. I mean, one of the reasons that, you know, Jamie Faria from Jamie's Restaurant was honored was because he took this idea, turned it into the successful business, and within a matter of a couple of years, it's now the quintessential North Andover place to go. Um, I believe last year it was actually Taki's Pizza because, again, you had um, Jim and Mike Zanakis, who are cousins, who own their business and have really built it in, again, to a business that is a successful part of North Andover's business community. Right. And it's it's their acumen as business owners that were recognized. It's, again, it's Jamie's, it's Stachy's. Um, it's not just because they give back to the community, but that's a big piece. So, I mean, Lisa was recognized because I don't think many people understand that here's a woman who she owns two medical offices. Um, it's not a retail store. They're medical offices, which are fairly more complex. Urgent Cares in Methuen and North Andover. Um, she's a mother of five. 
um, in a blended family, and somehow she doesn't go crazy. Yeah. She's a little crazy, but I mean... She likes me, so yeah. she's got to be crazy. Well, she's she's a woman who has managed to take these two businesses, become important parts of the community, because urgent care, of course, fills an, an important gap in our healthcare system. And the head of your organization I just met the other day, Dawn. Dawn Pease. Dawn, Dawn Pease. A former Dawn's, merchant of the year herself, in fact. Dawn Scientech. Um, she invited me to her shop and said, you know what? We, we, we're in all these same circles, but we've never really had a chance to sit down and check. Can you come by and have a coffee with me? So I spent like three hours there one day last week, last Friday, actually. Um, and we got along amazingly, and we talked about some of the things that we do at the Valley Patriot with the Bash, some of the stuff that she does. And it's like, you know, we should be helping each other out. Like, we're, we're, we're all kind of doing the same thing. We ought to be working together, and she loves the idea. So Here's a woman. She worked in the printing industry and decided, you know what? I want to start my own business. She came to North Andover, some flagship drive, I think. Um, but she came to North Andover and said, and she lived here. She lives on Sharpness Pond. She said, I want to create my business here. Brought her employees, treats her employees well, gives them you know, quality health insurance. She herself, she's from Canada originally. Um, she started her business and said, well, you know, the first way that I make this business successful is networking with other business owners. Right. She came to a NAMA meeting, decided to get involved. And I think that it was her second year of being involved that we honored her as the merchant of the year because, again, that's the type of business owner you want. You want a woman who sees a, a need and says, you know what? I want to create a business like this. This is the type of business I want to run, and that's what she did. She creates a quality product. I mean, if you saw her studio, mm-hmm. I mean, you you understand that she does yeah. really neat things there when it comes to um, vinyl printing. She actually does wraps that go all around vehicles. I she saw those. Those are nice. And they're multicolored. As you're, as you're looking at them, they change colors. I've never seen that before. It's a brand new thing. In fact, she just did her. She did a wrap around her car. So, you, I mean, you can't miss it. It says Dawn Sign Tech, but it actually changes color if you're looking at it in a certain angle. It's a neat, neat See, thing. I could never do that because the people in Lawrence would be <laughs> able to identify my car easier to shoot at it, so I, I couldn't do that for my car, but I, I understand why other people would want that. It's only people in Lawrence cool. that are after you? Really? Well, yeah, because that's where the threats yeah. are coming from. Um, I mean, and so you had asked specifically about the Merchants Association annual event, so we're doing that the last Saturday of, it's night after your, your bash. Um, the night, I, should, I don't know why I said your bash, it's Brenda Rossi's bash, that's right, what Pretty it was. much, Brenda so and Maria's bash it at is, this point. It is the night after Brenda Russell. Rossi's, uh, the night after Rich and Brenda and Maria's bash, yes. um, where Tom Duggan just kind of crashes it, um, so it's Saturday, and so give me the date, because I honestly don't remember that. So you're on the 24th. I'm on the 23rd. Okay. Okay. Because I thought they were double. So everyone come to our bash on the 23rd. Then the following night, everybody go to the North Andover Merchants Association bash uh, thing that they're doing. Where is it? So it's at the North Andover Country Club. And the proceeds from this event go towards giving a scholarship to a young man and young woman who live in North Andover that are seniors in high school that are pursuing degrees in business. We are also giving a, a, this year, it's the first year that we're doing it, but we're giving a scholarship to anybody, um, one scholarship to a person who is not necessarily a resident of North Andover, but is connected to an existing business because, of course, all these business owners, they work their butts off to provide for their families, and right. that's what groups like this should exist. Let's take do. a quick break. Do you want to stay with us for the next segment? We're going to do another 10-minute segment when we come back. Do you want to stay with us? We're going to just talk politics and stuff, or is that going to make you too feel, feel too uncomfortable? What, are we going to talk about the Me Too movement oh, with the Probably, dais of, yeah. all, of all men and yeah. noticeably absent are right. the people that are actually yeah, impacted Yeah, because you, by don't need, you, don't, you don't have to be that thing to have an opinion you of that thing. Be, you don't have to be a woman to talk about sexual right. assault. Well, of course not. No. Well, was Ted Kennedy a poor person? I, I think that if you're going to have a if you're going to have Ted a panel, Kennedy a poor person? I don't think he was a poor person. No, but no. he was the biggest advocate for women, wasn't he? 
And for poor people. And for yeah, poor people. That's, that's what I meant. For poor people yeah. and for... Yeah. Well, he was the biggest advocate for poor people, right? But he wasn't poor, was he? No, but there's a big... And he advocated for women, but he wasn't a woman, was he? No, but we're so criticizing... So you don't have to be that thing in order to have an opinion on that if thing, If we're going to criticize you? a movement, or I should say, if you're going to criticize a movement, we should probably try to have somebody who at least is impacted by the movement. Yeah, no, I, listen, I'm impacted by the movement. I bet you are. The movement is not only impacting women... Because the whole point of the movement is to screw men. So you know, That's what it a, is. I happen to be a man, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I have it's, an opinion on it. It's not. It's not to. It's not to bring attention to the fact that there are women in this world who are actually suffering at the hands of men, and people just don't Listen, even realize. If you're it. a friggin' idiot and you don't know that there are women in this world that are being victimized by men, having a Me Too movement ain't going to help you. You're an idiot. You don't think so? You don't no, think that I this think, is? Uh, people, oh, no, I, I mean, no, I'm not going to stay on this show. If you live in the I'm real not. world and you watch CNN or MSNBC for four seconds, you know that this is true. You're right. The real world does watch CNN. I hate you so much. (laughs) All right. Phil of the future. Oh, my goodness. I'm getting pictures on instant messages now. Are you sure he's not filling the past after that that That's the end of the show. (laughs) Holy good God. What is that? Wow. We'll be back after this on Paying Attention. As if I've survived this. What's that? Can I see? This is Mike Capuano, and you're listening to Paying Attention, and you should.
on the United Podcast Network, you are paying attention. And once again, here's your host, the Tom Duggan. She is so fucking beautiful. Uh, you're on, Tom. Hey, hey, how you guys doing? I'm going to marry her someday. Tom Duggan here on the Paying Attention Podcast. No, 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 please. No, no, stop, no. Uh, Paul Morano, my co-host. I want to thank... Um, I want to thank Phil of the Future for coming in. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to talk to him a little bit about town meeting. I think, I think it's good to educate people. There's a lot of people who live in New Hampshire here. We're in Salem, New Hampshire, at Two Guys Smoke Shop, Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. And there's a lot of people in New Hampshire. Most towns in New Hampshire are towns, and they have this form of government, this town meeting form of government. Um, but, but most people don't know what town meeting form of government is. And, and I wanted him to talk about you know, a lot of things, but I, I really wanted to get out educating people about what town meeting and town meeting form of governments are because it is the purest form of democracy. His, he's not on uh, still. Yeah, it seems. Uh, I mean, they've been around for forever, right? Since mm-hmm. the beginning of the country? Since before the beginning of the country. Yeah, so. 300 and something years. It shouldn't really be. I, I know that a lot of people don't know about it, but they should by now. <laughs> right? So <laughs> now, and he's, he's on the ballot. He's running for re-election. Um, it, what's funny is, and you'll remember this, Phil and I started off not on the same side of anything. Yeah. Phil ran against my girl Diana DiZaglio for state rap. Okay. And she kicked his ass all over the, all over the district. It was hysterical. Um, but after the election, and it was a very contentious election. It was yeah. very contentious when, she, when he ran against Diana. But when the election was over, he manned up. Yeah. And he went to Diana. He went to her headquarters and said, I want to help you. Get, I want, you're the nominee now. I want to help you win. It was, he ran against her in a primary. And he manned the office, and he stuffed envelopes. No job was too small for this kid. He was making phone calls. He was knocking doors with her. He was putting flyers on cars. And he wanted to be the nominee. He wanted to be the guy that was there. Most people, when they lose, they don't do that because it's, it's personally hurtful. They, they see themselves helping someone that should be them. And Phil put his personal pride aside. That's very difficult for any politician to do. And he helped Diana get elected. And he worked his ass off. He really worked hard. He worked as hard, if not harder, than anybody else that worked on her campaign. And, um, and, we, and, and I gained a new respect for him. I mean, I had always kind of respected him, even though we disagreed on stuff. But I, I, I gained a real respect for him as an individual, as a human being. Uh, because he really does care more about the town than he cares about his own political career. And um, shortly after that election, he ran for selectman. And he won. And I'm glad that he won, because he seems like the only voice of reason sometimes on that panel. So that's why we wanted to have, that's why we wanted to have was that, uh, um, Phil was, of the Future. Was that election close uh, with Diana? No, not really. No? Okay. No, I think she slaughtered him. Oh. Phil, was that a close election? He's still here. He's lingering. He's, you want to see what we say about him? He's halfway was down it, That wasn't a close election, right? She slaughtered you, right? It wasn't even close. Yeah, seven, right. seven to five isn't a slaughter. Yeah. yeah. Notice he gave you precincts and not votes. Well, I mean, if you yeah. count up the votes, it was, it was a lot more. All right, very good. You know what's weird doing this show, not giving out a phone number? Uh, why don't we? For what? like 30 years, I did radio, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I always gave out a phone we number. We can give out a false in. phone number. Would you be okay if we, if we retooled this show to take calls? Would I be okay? Yeah. Well, what? you're my co-host. I want to make sure you're okay what? with what, what yeah, decisions I'm going to make. Why not? I love phone calls. Um, how about Skype calls? 
someone wants to call in on Skype, we can actually pull them up over here so the uh, people at home can see what they look like. Like. A, like a real news show. Yeah, why not? Right? So you're okay with that? Of course. So maybe next week we'll start, we'll, we'll start putting that in the works. Yeah. Um, we had a bunch of stuff that we were going to talk about in the first hour. We, some of it we didn't get to. Um, I know you had a couple things on your list. What didn't we get to? We've got 10 minutes. We've got eight minutes left, Paul. What didn't we get to? It's well, only five minutes now. Well, five minutes down. left. Do you want, right. to, want to go back well, to the, hit, the Me Too hysteria bullshit? Um, I, well. Oh, yep. too bad there isn't a microphone right here. Do you have, a microphone? Should, do you have a microphone for us? See, that's audience? another thing we should do, a microphone for the audience. Well, I'll tell you, you asked a question, and then I'll ask it to the microphone right. so everybody can hear. It wasn't a question. Oh. It was something that was um, basically explaining why the Nobody can hear you, though, so... Like, yeah, people at home are just kidding. People at home no, Tom, take, take an available headset, and... Yeah, we'll, I, I have had a good idea. All right, we'll see. bring it up. And a little audio producing. You guys sure. don't mind, do you? Okay, so this is what you do. Uh, talk right into that microphone. Yeah, you have to get closer. There you go. And put that right next to your mouth, and then ask your question. We'll have a mic for the audience for the next show. Yeah. Okay, so I guess I missed this topic a little Pull this in real back. close. Yeah, nice and close. There you go. Go there for you it. Go. So it's just uh, something I want to share an opinion going time. on with the uh, the shootings that are happening one after another. Right. So about 10 years back, Michael Moore came out with a DVD um, called Bone for Columbine. And what he basically proved at the end of the, the DVD is that the shootings can, were continuing because we're constantly putting the intention on it by putting it on the air and putting focus on it. So what these shootings are doing, what the next person's doing is they're copycating, they're giving right. them the next idea to continue doing it. So again, in Canada, what he proved, they don't even put, um, their crime rate is basically nil, and reason being is they do not put the negative things that happen in their country on the air. For basically the news that is happening every night at six o'clock, it's being broadcast as entertainment. Right. I agree with that. The things that are happening. So news sells, so this is why it continues. So they are getting together with Trump now, trying to come up with an idea, what we can do. And they don't realize that the Three whole minutes. problem is, is because you're putting it on the air and you're giving attention to this. So and if nobody guy, knew about it, it wouldn't happen as much. Is so the saying? next guy that's not yeah. mentally well balanced right. um, sees that. Say, hey, this, a is a way to, this is a way to get my name in the so paper. What yeah. they're trying to do is get some intention, attention on them. And even if they die mm. with that intention, they're getting some focus. Well, what do you think? Uh, do you think the We've media got, uh, um, is, is a... Do you think, Tom, just to refocus this question... Do you think the media is uh, complicit? Of course they are. In this whole um, this whole movement, not uh, only school shootings. Not only are they complicit by what the gentleman said, as far as hyping all of these uh, all of these things, yeah. but to then immediately, while before the blood is even dried, immediately making it a political thing. They immediately, right. they, they, they right out of the gate take away any possibility of a sane discussion on maybe what we could do hmm. to to help these situations, to, to, to respond better to these situations. And, you know, they, they gin it up and make it a political issue, which makes, which makes That's sure it's never going to go away, which makes sure that it's going to continue to be talked about. It's always going to be the C, what I call the CNN narrative, disarm right. the American people. Now, that, that's all true. But how far back and how far do we go with this? In other words, should, should we know JFK's assassin's name? Or Robert Kennedy's, or Martin Luther King's. It seems like these names are, no. are, are, are everybody knows them no. for, gen for generations. No. And for maybe centuries. No, because you know what? We know the names of the people who murder cops. Yeah. 
we don't know the cops. We, people don't remember the, the names of the cops that were murdered. Right, exactly. And and we we just exactly. we need to stop glorifying these people. And CNN does it. MSNBC does it. Even Fox News does yeah. it. All news does. Stop it. Stop glorifying these people. It's a great idea. Let's do what Canada does. Show it when it's happening. Have an interview with the the kids or the or the or the sheriff, uh, whoever law enforcement is, and then move on to another story. And don't stop show. Don't the show the face. Seven. That's a good. That's a good don't point. Don't show. Don't, don't show the face and don't say the name. Right. Of the criminal. Right. Because you know that these these people, and I know we've got a minute left, the, minute. these people who do these mass shootings or commit really heinous crimes, they're, usually you find out that they were researching somebody else that did that. They, they've got videotapes of someone else that did it. Um, there was, uh, I think, the, the Aurora shooter. Uh, I can't remember his name, which is good. Um, study Columbine and how the yeah. reaction to Columbine before he went and did what he did, so he would have a better idea as to how police would respond well, when he did what he did. If people are so influenced, maybe news should make a concerted effort to to, to run good stories of people doing charitable yeah, no, work, do generous work. They're only going to do like that, that if they're a liberal uh, Democrat and they're making somebody that disagrees with their politics look evil. Other than that, they're not going to do that. Well, yeah. yeah. Right. The, our audience member yes. says, by doing it every week and keep doing it, you keep perpetuating it over and over and over. And I agree with that, Paul. Yeah, I mean, how long, how long is this story going to last? Right. I mean, I mean, underneath the media, lots should be happening. Right. Final thoughts, but Paul? Why, me, why the media? Final thoughts. Um, it, is, uh, it was incredible to have a 77-degree day in southern New Hampshire yesterday. Yes unbelievable in the middle of February. So I'm very grateful for that. I now, wasn't happy about it, but I'm now glad that, everybody else was. Now that it's back in the 30s or 40s, I think uh, we're back to reality. All right, listen, well, so yeah. let's uh, start the song for yeah. the end of the show. Do you have that paying attention song that I gave you? The, uh, all right. Guess we'll <laughs> I guess not. Well, the song, this will do. I guess. Um, yeah, we're going to have to work on that. All right, listen, we have our Charity Bash March 23rd at the Firefighters Relief Inn in Lawrence. If you'd like to sponsor a scholarship for a kid at Lawrence High School, if you'd like to donate a raffle item, it goes to the veterans. Uh, if you'd like tickets, you can get them on Eventbrite. You can always email me at valleypatriot at AOL.com. Thank you, Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. Our buddy Dave Garafalo, the owner of Two Guys Smoke Shop, come down and have a couple of cigars. I want to thank Joe Zingales at uh, Team Zingales Century 21 in Methuen on Pleasant Street. Twin Lights Security and Investigations. Uh, A&B Auto with uh, uh, Angelo at A&B Auto South Broadway in Lawrence. And who did I forget? EIS Security and Investigations. Thank you, Joe Solomon. Thank you, all the, all the uh, advertisers and sponsors. We need more sponsors. It's like 50 bucks a week. We'll promote the crap out of you. Trust me. Give us a call. Shoot us an email. Thank you, Paul, for coming. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank you, Phil, uh, of the future. And, of course, Stu Fink, our fine, fine producer. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.